Tonight's episode of the Tuesday Night Cigar Club is brought to you by Drew Estate. Come experience the rebirth of cigars at www.drewestate.com and download the free Drew Diplomat smartphone app today to discover nearby retailers, RSVP to special events, redeem points to win exclusive Drew Estate merchandise, and much, much more. Brothers and sisters of the leaf, coming to you live once again from, well, all over the fucking place, it's the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Tonight the boys congregate via live video, thanks coronavirus you giant asshole, to complete their sixth annual March to Halloween horrific drinking spooktacular extravaganza, or some crazy shit like that. Anywho. Our favorite crew of tipsy numbnuts will be discussing the 1988 slimy creature feature, Slugs, while smoking the Tatuaje Black Cigar, paired with a ghastly amount of tasty craft beers. Slugs, mugs, and jugs. Sounds like this episode has it all. Well, except technically for the jugs, damn it. So sit back, folks, light them up, and enjoy the show. You ready to talk for a couple hours? Yeah, laugh, let's do this, man. Laugh for a couple hours. Maybe learn a little bit about ourselves over the next couple hours. I got any, a, any that good. Yeah, I got a I got a six pack, two cigars, and a coronita. I think I'm good for the next thirty minutes. Uh I'll talk fast. <laughs> uh well boys, before we get started, two kind of big things uh have happened in the last few days that kind of tie together in a weird way. I thought might be fun to talk about, or may I not fun? Uh, there's nothing fun about what I'm about to talk about, but it's important. Because uh, what do we do on the Tuesday Night Cigar Club? We call people out on their bullshit. That's right. That's exactly what I signed on for. Not. <laughs> yeah. I'm <laughs> here to review delicious cigars, but okay, calling people out on their bullshit. This involves cigars. But wait a minute, if I call people out on their bullshit, do they get to talk, call me out on my bullshit? Or does my internet celebrity give me immunity? Podcaster immunity. Podcaster immunity. immunity. I like this. All right. Well, the Los Angeles Lakers just won the 2020 NBA championship. Mm-hmm. Congrats. And two, uh, guitar god Eddie Van Halen sadly passed away all within a few days of each other. What do these two events have in common, you may ask? 
Well, they both brought out the that pathetic, terrible creature known as the social media troll. That little guy. Okay. Uh, you see, LeBron James lit up a Drew Estate Undercrown Shade cigar after That's the right. game to celebrate the victory. Uh, I'm going to be smoking one for my follow-up cigar this evening. I love that cigar. Uh, and Drew Estate, rightfully, of course, obviously shared pics and videos of LeBron puffing away on all their social media channels. Uh-oh. That's a huge thing for a cigar company to, you know, after the Super Bowl or a hockey championship or, you know, NBA finals to show the biggest, possibly the biggest athlete in the world smoking your cigar. I mean, that's yeah. huge. I was really happy for JD and all of our friends, Joe, Pedro, on everybody at, at DE. Uh, it's just awesome exposure. I was like really uh, feeling good about everything. But then I made the mistake of looking at the comments on the Drew Estate posts. And sure enough, every other one was from a fucking dickbag calling LeBron a piece of shit, worthless human. Or, I, or the, this classic one, uh, I didn't even know the NBA was still around. Uh, and it's all because LeBron, it's all about uh, LeBron voiced his opinion politically. And their fat-ass cult leader instructed them not to like LeBron anymore, not to like the NBA anymore. And, you know, they did what they were told. And... That's how that happened. And we're the sheep. Uh, I don't like it when they bring politics into my sports. Well, guess what, you sad fucking melon head? You just brought politics into an innocent post where a cigar company you're supposedly a fan of was sharing and celebrating a really cool moment um, that they were proud of and they should be. I just am exhausted by it all, boys. And I just... Uh, the whole flip on your phone, turn on your computer, and just excuse me while I take a big old fat shit on everybody's good times because that's what I do. And there's like so many of these dudes that do that every day. It's like they live to take a shit on people's well, the, good times. Well, the funny thing is, is like especially in cigar culture, I mean – Nobody had a problem when Rush Limbaugh was talking about how good the uh, Padron cigars were. I didn't hear anybody going, ah, you bringing your politics into my cigar world. That didn't happen. So, I mean, just shut up. Uh, it was just so disappointing, uh, but not unexpected, I guess. Dixie Chicks, get your <laughs> politics out of my music. By the way, Toby Keith, I love you. Alan Jackson, I know <laughs> where I was. I hear the Dixie Chicks are big fans of the uh, Sweet Jane series of cigars. So, right. uh, I am actually having a Sweet Jane Coronita. And they're called the Chicks now. They dropped the Dixie, which I'm sure would piss these asswives off royally. Uh, Stop anyway. rewriting history, Dixie <laughs> Chicks. <laughs> My great-grandfather didn't form the Dixie Chicks for you to come on. What? Uh, I swear, living brain donors, all of them. Speaking of which, then the next day, someone asked, someone tweeted, 79-year-old music legend David Crosby, of Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, yeah. what he thought of Eddie, Va Eddie Van Halen upon Eddie Van Halen's passing. He tweeted, what do you think of Eddie Van Halen? To which Crosby, who actually ironically looks like a troll, uh, replied, meh. M-E-H dot dot dot. 
meh. People gave the asshole shit about that tweet, as they should, I guess, and he responded with this. Look, Hendrix changed the world of guitar, the grumpy old troll wrote. Look, I get it. Many of you love Van Halen, and the one time I met him, he was nice, and he was talented. Meh, to me, means I don't care that much, and I don't. It doesn't mean he wasn't good. He was, but not for me. How's this for you, Dave? Go fuck yourself. And why don't you crawl back under that bridge in the forest and maybe just stop tweeting, you ridiculous fossil. What does all this mean, boys? I think it means I'm done with social media. I think I think I think I'm getting to the point where I'm done. I think I'm I'll still put the show stuff out there, but I, I think I'm closing it down. I uh, when I just can't I just can't I just can't do it anymore, and it just baffles my mind that something like Facebook that was created to spy on old high school classmates to make fun of their lives has turned into this massive shit show that absorbs everyone's personal energy and then shits it all back out in their face 24-7. It never stops. That's, that's called high school. This is AI evolving into what high school is. Like I said. Oh, I I'm got... sorry. I was the only one who had my innermost thoughts laughed at and regurgitated <laughs> back in my face. Oh, okay. Maybe that was just... Yeah, was, uh, maybe we'll talk about that after the show, if you want. <laughs> yes. or, or we could just not talk about that ever. I would like to not talk okay. about that. I'll pretend like I didn't hear it. Yeah, actually, you didn't hear anything, did you? No. Okay. Um, I just said, like, I don't need to know what some dude from my college bowling class thinks of Nancy Pelosi's hairdressers, Ukrainian ties. Like, I don't need to know what these people think about shit like this. I just, I just, I, I, I got into it with such innocent uh, aspirations, and I, it's just... Um, I mean, you know, fucking, you, you know what? That's what broke me. David fucking Crosby. <laughs> David Crosby broke a lot that of people. That fucking troll ruined social media for me. You happy? Which, which, by the way, I don't mind his comments if he would have just said that. Well, well he got so much like, oh, I'd forgotten he had died when I wrote that. It's like, so? it's like the, the couple days. No, I mean, no, stick <laughs> by your gun. Certain, someone probably prefaced their question like, Eddie Van Halen has just passed. Did you think about anything about him? Like, I mean, yeah, I'm sure he gets tweets all the time. Wrong. Also, asking you know, geriatric musicians their opinion because let's face it, you reach a certain age, you just don't give a flying fuck anymore. And no, yeah. um, I'm actually fine with what he said. I just wish he would have said that the first time instead of meh. Yeah. Yes, but you see, the man was honest. Man was honest. <laughs> and honestly, so I, I, honestly, I'm more of a fan of, of, as the people have said, you know, the internet has allowed us, you know, people to say things without getting punched in the face. Well, who's going to punch David Crosby in the face? I'm just saying that the internet was a lot more fun. It was just me and my geeks hanging out. When you guys showed up, it just all went downhill. And I will say for the record, I would very much take meh over most of the comments we get on YouTube. <laughs> I would take meh as a as an encouraging uh, term of endearment. I'm just saying the weight comment kind of hurt uh, my feelings. Uh, uh, that guy was an asshole. Um but that that pumpkin T-shirt's not going to help your cause tonight, any. <laughs> <laughs> I love that shirt. It's, ah. You know it's the Halloween special now. 
so anyway, I just had to get that off my chest. It was like, it was like, man, it was like something I was really happy for our, our friends at Drew Estate, and those fucking morons had to ruin that. And then, you know, I'm, I'm here trying to put together, our, you know, we're filling the boot of remembrance tonight for Eddie Van Halen, and fucking David Crosby takes a big troll shit on that. It's like, God <laughs> damn it. Are troll shits good luck? Like, if I go in the woods and scoop that up from him, can I, like, make a wish on it or something? Man, I think from woodland trolls they are, but maybe not bridge trolls. So it depends on what his descendancy is. Yax, if you have time, will you look into that for me? I I don't have time. Damn it. UGH, boys. Ugh. (laughs) I don't say M-E-H. I say U-G-H. Not meh. Ugh. So welcome, everybody, on that note, to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club, episode 125. I had to purge that out of my system. And I now we're going to say it's nothing like starting a fun party show with just a bunch of bullshit bitching. Now we're going to party. Now oh, that, I've been waiting for this. Now that I have made it clear to those certain assholes out there that they're not welcome in our party. Now gonna, that you've expressed your feelings socially about social media. Yeah. See what I did there? As you, you use your media platform to express your feelings on social media, that you will post on social media. Yeah. Jokes on them. Maybe. Episode 125. All right. Yes. Let's do this. Tonight, homies, we continue our legendary, our infamous sixth annual March to Halloween horrific drinking spectacular extravaganza. Ooh. Some shit like that. Uh, this might be our – we might have one more Halloween. We might not. I don't know. But I'm glad Tut wore the shirt just in case. I wore it just in case, and if we have another one, I'll put it back on. Hey, you can wash it. I, uh, I, I wore a Halloween shirt too. I, I saw that. Yeah. Did, you wear, did you wear a Halloween shirt? Yak boy? No. He's not in the spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm lame like that. He's not in the spirit. Uh, I'll forget – I'll forget about this little incident, and I won't write you up if you do that homework assignment on troll shit. <laughs> we are going to treat you to a tear-filled smorgasbord of carefully selected horror films, leading you right up until the big day, October 31st. Are you guys ready to get your spookies on? Oh, my undershorts are always spooky. I guess right. let's put my spookies on. Cut. Uh, Yak Boy, everything going okay in your neck of the woods? Yes, it is. O'Brien's Irish Pub in uh, downtown Temple, Texas is open for business. Open for business. Uh, the beer is flowing. Beer is flowing. It's slowly corn. but flowing. Hey, we're, make, we're making progress. We're seeing, you know, I'm not saying that everything's obviously returned to normal because it hasn't, but hey, we're here. And we're not going anywhere. How are those corned beef sandwiches tasting? Delicious. Get your ass down there, folks. Corniest Get corn- beef you'll ever have. It is the corniest mm-hmm. beef. Uh, uh, okay, tell you, you look like you're doing better. You got a haircut finally? Um, yeah, I guess. I saw a picture of him after his haircut. His wife posted, and I asked him. I was like, you didn't really look like you did it. You, you got a cut. He's like... Oh, I tr- I got the volume trim, not the ends. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Not the length, man. Just the she used the scissors I, I, with the with the comb teeth or whatever. 
Oh, just the jagged, the texture scissors? I guess. I don't know. You made it sound like they, they cut the middle of the hair and somehow it's still... Yeah, they cut a lot of the fluff out of it. But not the length. Because I'm going for the Lincoln Lawyer Matthew McConaughey look. Um, huh. Okay. Uh, I wanted we- to chop it all off. And then she was like, well, you know what you could do? You could look like... Uh, you could do the... Uh, Lincoln lawyer style, and she did not realize my bromance with Mr. McConaughey. And no, I was like, Oh, you can it. make me look like Matthew McConaughey? <laughs> and she was like, No, I didn't say that. And I was like, Yes, you did. You, you said you'd cut my hair and make me look like Matthew McConaughey. So He's like, Sir, this is for. sir, this is good clips. You're 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 paying <laughs> 12 bucks. I, I can really do so, I can really do so much here. Uh, uh, well, hey, you got it. You went out there and you. You got a haircut. We're proud of you. This is a big yeah. step for you. This is a big step for you. Yeah. Other than that, it's just calculus and more calculus. <sighs> Lots of calculus. Well, before we do what we do every uh, episode where we drink some beers, smoke a cigar, and talk our way through a movie that is an unpleasant uh, bit of business, like I alluded to earlier, I haven't had to do this for a while. Uh, thank God. Shut up, liver. Um, we're filling the boot tonight, boys. Oh, I forgot about this. As you, uh, loyal viewers and listeners know, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see me holding up the, the little guy. It's actually not little. It seems to get bigger every time. Um, the boot of remembrance is a ceremony where we fill the, the glass boot to commemorate a pop culture Icon, at least an icon to us, someone from the world of film, television, stage, screen, music uh, that passes away that had a uh, what we feel is a lasting effect uh, on us and our lives. And as I said, Eddie Van Halen passed away, and I'm going to turn it over to Yak Boy to tell us a little bit about the life of Edward Van Halen. All righty. The good Mr. Van Halen. Uh, born Edward. Now I'm not sure if I can pronounce this correctly. Le- Van Halen, Edward Ludwig Van Halen. Uh, he was Dutch born. Well, it's not actually Lud. It's supposed to be like Ludwig, but it's a Dutch Ludwig. However, no. I, I looked up the pronunciation both ways. But uh, he was born uh, January 26, 1955, in Amsterdam. Good Dutch boy. Uh, immigrated, his family came here. Uh, his parents, uh, Jan and Eugenia Van Halen, and his uh, younger brother Alex. They all came here. And from there, they surprisingly, the two younger brothers ended up being very musically inclined. Uh, and from there, they just kind of, you know, took up music. They they played a little bit of everything: piano. I mean, besides him. Uh, Eddie eventually doing guitar. I mean, he played drums, horns, everything. So, but uh, going on from there, they uh, had played. Uh, him and his brother started their own band when they were kids, playing back in you know high school and things like that for friends and everything else, and went on eventually to you know form an actual band and start playing back in '72 touring there because they were living in California 
So they got to, and they ended up playing, you know, all the all the classic venues, Whiskey A Go Go. And so they, they went on to do, and and eventually they got noticed. And in uh, 76, they got signed by a, a talent agent and put out their first album in 78, which we all know, of course, it being iconic. Van Halen won. Van Halen won. And from there, surprisingly, you know, given their body of work, I mean, between their 78 and 84, I mean, you know, put out, you know, five albums, even in 84, of course, was their most well-known and sold multi-platinum album. Yeah, I mean, 1984, I guess their last one was David Lee Roth. They had uh, Jump, Panama, Hot for Teacher. Uh, yeah, that was by far their biggest with... Drop Dead Legs. Drop mm-hmm. Dead Legs. I think that was the B-side to, 80, to uh, Jump. Um, yeah. Uh, I think the biggest compliment I can give Eddie Van Halen is that if you go back... I was a big growing up. I really liked those the those first four Van Halen albums a lot, uh, leading up to 80, 1984. And if you go back and listen to those early Van Halen albums, especially and not exclusively the David Lee Roth records, some of the most underrated tracks or even tracks you never heard of on those first four CDs could be the best rock songs that some other band ever recorded. Like there's some just phenomenal music that you know people that don't aren't even really that aware of that any other band would have done that you know it could have been a it could have been a hit uh he was just that prolific of a songwriter that much of a like yak said a musical prodigy a true wonder kind who just kind of kept attacking everything you hear he kept attacking his craft even up until the end like he would just practice and practice and tinker and tinker and he just kept going until he was inarguably the best to play the instrument since Hendrix, I don't think anybody can argue that. Um, get out of here with that fucking uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan nonsense. Um, yeah, I just, it's it, it just, I didn't realize that you, sometimes you don't till someone dies. I've been listening to the serious radio. I saw that, Tut. Uh, I've been listening to serious radios had a Van Halen station since he passed away, 24-7 nonstop. Van Halen and oh man just so many songs that I hadn't heard in so long and they just they hold up man and the production on those early albums is just so good uh Alex's drums just compliment the hell out of his brother's guitar and um my god man they just had a mountain of great music and I wasn't a huge fan of the more synth heavy Sammy Hagar stuff but my god they had a ton of you know really successful tours successful albums uh and good songs they, they, you know they, they did some great stuff with sammy too man it's just my god what a body of work so uh i'm definitely on i i didn't have to hesitate for filling the boot up for eddie van halen yes tut i saw you give me the middle finger there a minute ago well yeah i mean your blatant disrespect for stevie ray vaughn i'm not saying stevie ray vaughn was eddie van halen but you know vaughn was a great talent I didn't say what. Well, back to but back to uh, back to Steve, uh, back to Eddie. Um, yeah, I'm going to go a little bit of controversy here. 
I think that Van Halen, the project, is a great exercise in what happens when ego trumps artistry. When ego trumps just getting out of your way and creating good music. Uh, I think that the world has been robbed because of ego. Uh, I think that regardless of whether it was Eddie's ego or David's ego, the, the breakup of that project, I, I think robbed us of great rock and roll. Uh, but it's hard to say that because even though I, especially growing up, I was on team David so hard that I would just turn my back on anything. Uh, uh, Sammy Hagar put together. Uh, and that was really wrong because they put out together some really, really strong music and some really good music. Um, but then when they broke up and I'm just like, dude, you kind of stunted rock music there after that. Uh, they were such a big, I mean, they were, they were such a big mover in the industry where you had Van Halen and you had U2 and Chili Peppers. And it was like, and at that time we were battling all the boy bands, you know, your NSYNCs and that was just, they were putting out rock. And then all of a sudden they're like, you know, I I don't We don't like you anymore. We're going to fire you. And rock just kind of died. Well, it was, it was those were the things though, because when you know when grunge kind of killed the the hair metal scene, Van Halen was never that scene. Van Halen was. I know always, they kept going strong. They they they, they, they survived through that because they weren't a hair band. They were a, just a, a god awesome rock band. Um, and then you're right. And the doctor, I should mention, our fourth member, the doctor, just posted a book review up on our website. Uh, of a, the, it's called Running with the Devil. It's written by Van Halen's tour manager uh, for the David Lee Roth years. He loved the book, but uh, go to our website and read the doctor's review. But one of the things the doctor pointed out, as far as your comment on egos and then you know how they take take fun things away from us uh, from create you know creative things. You know, like, oh man, I really like that guy's movies. Well, he's not making them anymore. Uh, <laughs> Oh, they make okay. this such good music. Well, they're not. They say they won't do that anymore. He, he, the doctor put it in really good ways. Like you know, to try to wrap your head around the decisions these guys were making. Um, yes, ego played a big part of it. Um, but as mere mortals, we cannot put ourselves in that vortex that these guys live their lives in, and it's impossible for, for, you know, guys like Utah to try to, to pass judgment on these dudes because we can't possibly know what it's like to live in their tornado of everything. And it's a constant tornado. And yeah, I mean, these people just live differently and they can start out as normal as, as you and Cody, trust me, I, I used to be one of you guys. I think I've kind of kept it together pretty good. Yeah. But um. But no, he was just like, you know what? It's just that's the what the book painted the picture of was just these guys who, by the time this guy quit being their tour manager in 1984, this was the biggest thing in the world when they rolled into a town, and it's like you can't possibly 
rent space in these guys' heads to see what was going on. I mean, bullshit. That's like the rich guy going, you know what? Money doesn't buy you happiness. Uh, you don't know the pressures that it has being filthy, filthy, stinking rich. I mean, the upkeep and maintenance on my two hundred million dollar yacht alone. Uh, do you know what? Do you know what the pressure that comes with having to staff fifteen people on an annual basis for my yeah, yacht? But that guy's not walking onto stage and having you know seventy five thousand people chanting his name. That that's different. That is different. And well, I don't you know, know. And, and there's a phenomenon. It doesn't matter how successful you are. If you are successful for any amount of time, that level of success becomes normal to you. You expect it. Uh, well, uh, full disclosure, I was a raging asshole when I was on stage. Uh, so, anyway. You were the raging asshole keyboard player everybody we talked about. <laughs> exactly. Well, look, despite you know how things ended with Diamond Dave and how things ended with Sammy and how things ended with the extreme guy, uh, and how things ended with Michael Anthony. Despite all that stuff, it's been cool to see since Eddie passed away that apparently he would reach out. He would get the phone numbers for guitar players in up-and-coming bands. And Eddie worked on his own timetable. He, he was a night owl. He'd be up all night. And these all these people would, were telling these stories about how at 2 in the morning they'd get this phone call from out in Hollywood and they wouldn't answer because they didn't recognize the number. And there'd be this voicemail from Eddie Van Halen saying he had heard their music or saw them. He'd go to like live shows and he'd be like, I saw you play. And he'd like give them tips. Like, you know what? I think. And then they'd think it was bullshit. They, you know, they thought it would be a prank. And then their manager would the next day be like, no, they actually got a hold of me to get your number. And then they would start these phone relationships. He had phone relationships with all these dudes, uh, not famous dudes, but, you know, kind of b-level bands but he would just he loved talking about the craft of guitar playing and he loved kind of giving advice to, to people and uh you know by all counts he was a kind of a cool mentor that way by all counts he seems like a, he was a really cool dad to wolfgang van halen his his only son and uh dude he gave me enough uh enough music over the years that i uh i certainly will chug this boot to the best of my abilities before i do are you done, Ted? Did you get that off your chest? Yeah, I think so. I'm starting to get the idea that Tut doesn't want to uh, tribute to Eddie Van Halen. Do you like Eddie Van Halen? I don't know him, so I've heard conflicting well, you don't know, things. You don't know anybody that we've drank the boots, celebrated with the boot of remembrance. I knew little Richard, damn it. I played a show with him. That's right. <laughs> he snuck up behind you at that club. I forgot about that. That's right. He put his hand on my... Uh, anyway... Uh, no, Eddie was just a one-of-a-kind talent, and regardless of if even if the dark rumors that I heard, which there's there was a, there was plenty of good stuff and bad stuff, uh, but even if the worst of the worst were true, I would still drink the boot to him because he was a one-of-a-kind talent, a generational talent, even maybe even a multi-generational talent. He moved the needle not only in terms of music. But the, I mean, just just think of what they did alone to MTV. I mean, they were part of the crew that actually helped build MTV because of their success and their videos. Uh, you cannot, you, you you just have to respect that kind of talent. And to hear that he was reaching out and he was mentoring other musicians, that's that's kind of my that's kind of my theory is that really really good musicians just love to talk their craft. 
and they're gonna they're gonna reach out and talk to the people. So I, I'm I'm totally down for filling the boot for Eddie. He deserves it. All right. Well, good. We're all on the same page. Tut, since you're uh, got the hot mic, top three Van Halen songs. Top three Van Halen songs. Number one, Panama. And I say that unapologetically. I am not going to apologize, even if it is one of their most poppy songs. It is my favorite Van Halen song. Bar Great song. Number two, Everybody Wants Some. There is something about that old carnal track that I love. And number three, You Cannot Get Past Hot for Teacher. That opening drum lick has befuddled drummers for decades. And it yeah. will still befuddle drummers for decades more. Well put. I have no problem with those three. Yagboy, what about you? I have got to go with Tut. Everybody wants some. That is probably and will remain my number one Van Halen song forever. It just, every time I hear it, just that, that intro, I get that little, I still get that little tingle in my spine. Yeah. Second, uh, you really got me going. Mm, that's a good song. Yeah. But I got to preface it because, you know, listening to the album over and over again, I always just thought, you know, you got to go with the solo eruption because it flowed right into the thing. It's like, yeah. to me, that's like one song. Yeah. yeah well, that's, because, that's the same with uh, Intruder and the way it goes into Oh, Pretty Woman. It's right. like this minute and a half of just this moaning, distorted, grinding kind of sonic wall of ballsy just guitar. And then it goes into Oh, Pretty Woman of all songs. <laughs> <laughs> But it works. No, yeah, that's that was it. I, I was still looking at that one, going, well, "Wait a second, man, that one's God." You know, that was this was like hard. I'm sitting here because you know I could have just put all the name. I could have just thrown darts at a wall. Yeah. Um, put all their songs up and been like, I would have been fine with it because I'm sitting here because like you know I can totally say like you know, Panama was there. I'm like, yeah, Panama, but I don't know what to do. It's like because that was the thing. Like so between that and Unchained. Oh, Unchained's a great one. Uh, that that almost made my list. Um, okay, well, for me, uh, the number one song is by far, and I, I mentioned this to the, the doctor who had just read that book about Van Halen. I know he's a big Van Halen fan, and he had never heard this song. So I was like, yeah, you got to go gotta go listen to this album again, man. Uh, mean Streets, Off Fair Warning. Oh, yeah, love yeah. it. That is just, you know, when you get up on stage and bust into that, you know, these 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 boys uh, mean business, and they're it show. It's just, I think, it encapsulates Eddie's talent, Dave's attitude. The drums are just incredible. Uh, Michael Anthony just doing his beautiful chorus work. Uh, you know, as far as Van Halen goes, you can't say enough about Michael Anthony with his chorus vocals and his background vocals. But he also does some really tricky stuff on that bass, uh, especially in the early stuff. Um, so Mean Streets off Fair Warning, Ain't Talking About Love off Ain't their first in Halen. And then I also were three for three. I went Everybody Wants Some off Women and Children first. Uh, it's just such a great song. But you know what? Could have easily put Panama in there. Um, could have easily put Hot for Teacher in there. I noticed none of us picked any uh, Sammy songs. But I was driving around today and they, they played uh, Dreams on the on thing. I was like, you know what? That's some tricky keyboard shit Eddie was doing in that song. Here's here's what turned me around on on Sammy Hagar. Or for one thing, I, I've I followed up and I've learned some stuff about what Sammy used to do before his Van Halen days. And this dude, and all the that. the Red Rocker was just apparently a wild man on really? stage. 
uh, I, I've talked with guys who've mixed sound for him, who've been to the, those early concerts, and they said that he was just a maniac. And I was like, you know what? I need to get over my hate for him, you know, causing a divorce between David and them, which he didn't cause. Uh, and so, but anyway, so here I find myself years later, and especially going through that time, just absolutely wanting nothing to do with Sammy Hagar. And I know his songs. I hum them. I, I sing the melodies. They're good music, man. It's good music. You were singing right now before uh, we started the show. <laughs> if you put that on your list, no tomorrow. I would have closed your little Zoom square on here and get get the hell out of here with it. Um, okay. Oh God, dude, it's been a while since I've had to do this. Okay. Um, now, as you uh, loyal listeners and viewers know. Eddie's soul, both his creative soul and his actual spiritual soul, are now trapped within the boot of remembrance. And in order for him to be released from purgatory into the heavens, I must chug the boot. And I shall do that now. Right now! Hey, there's no... Damn it, man. Eddie's soul just shot out his nose. Oh, God. I hope that wasn't, <laughs> I hope that wasn't his wiener. He's going to need that. All right, let's try this again. And now that I'm ready for it, I think right now would be a fitting song if you want to continue. I don't know if I can continue. Right now, hey, there's no tomorrow. Right now. We're going to feel the boot right now. Can't drink the boot of no tomorrow. Wait a minute, Sarah. I don't really know. But he's doing it. He's drinking it. Did he freeze? No, no. Look at that. He's going. He did it. <sighs> Eddie is now resting in peace. or well, part of him. Eddie, that was for you. Thank you for all the gifts you gave us over the years. Um, it's one of the one of the live acts I really regret that I never got to see on stage. Uh, agreed, agreed. All the cool kids in middle school when I was growing up, they all got to go to Austin and, and see Van Halen, and I I didn't get invited to to those kind of things. So, uh, but yet I'm the one who's in charge for releasing Eddie's soul. See how that works? It's a burden, man. It's a burden and a responsibility. <sighs> well, speak. Speaking of booze, uh, that went down sort of smooth. Um, we do. We drink beers. We smoke cigars. Uh, we occasionally uh, give tribute to fallen celebrities, and we talk our way through a hopefully entertaining movie. If it's not entertaining, we make it entertaining for your benefit and ours. Uh, before we get started this evening with the cigar and the film, let's tackle the beers first. And that's where we go to our resident beer expert, co-owner of O'Brien's Irish Pub in downtown historic Temple, Texas. The one, the only, Yak Boy. No, not, not you. Yak not you. Boy, yeah. <laughs> he knows everything. Yak Boy. Uh, the floor is right. uh, What are you drinking, right. pal? Get my, get my notes here. I am having the delicious Murphy's Irish Stout. Ooh, 
Oh, yeah. that's, a, that's a name I haven't heard in a long, long time. Oh, yes. I, I After this movie, after the the name of the cigar that we're doing, I'm like, this is it. This this black beauty right here. That is black. It is an Irish dry stout. Um, come, uh, Murphy's uh, originally started in County Cork, Ireland in 1856 by one Mr. James Jeremiah Murphy. Uh, the original brewery uh, is still there. Uh, it was... The company itself was uh, purchased by the Heineken Corporation back in 83 and taken internationally. Uh, besides the their stout, uh, one of their more famous beers is their Irish Red, which to me is probably the, to me it's like the best red ale. I love it. Can't get enough okay. of it. It's basically it's a this is a uh, it's four percent ABV about thirty four IBU so it does have just a little bit of a of a of a kind of a hop touch on it which I really like besides the the typical of that roasted uh, dry roasted character and of course it is a, it is nitrogen uh, so it does help you know much just like Guinness it's very smooth creamy body to it so I'm enjoying it and I believe it will complement our Cigar choice this evening. I bet it will. That's a good call. Okay, good, uh, good, good stuff, Yax. What is uh, Mr. Tuttle drinking? Well, he is drinking something we've never seen before. Shiner Oktoberfest. Shiner Oktoberfest. Man, it's amazing. In six years of doing this, Shiner, a Texas beer, we haven't tackled this one. I just, I just saw it in the grocery store, and I'm like, you know what? It's Oktoberfest. I'm feeling mm-hmm. in the mood for an Oktoberfest beer, and what the hell? Let's try this one. I'm going to be really curious to see what you think. I, uh, I almost grabbed a shine, the Shiner Black. Uh, we're doing the, the Tatuaje Black Cigar. Yeah, I like the Shiner and Black. I just, I can't drink more than one of them. And if it was all of us at the table, that would be different because then it's like the group pairing of Shiner Black <laughs> with Tatuaje Black. That looks good. But the way things are now, we're all scattered around like – I got. Uh, I, I just. I couldn't do it. Um, I just. I'm not that big. Drink of a something shiner. you're gonna love, man. Drink something not, you're gonna love. Yeah. Well, I just went with something I had never had before because I, I knew I wasn't gonna love that. I'm not a big shiner guy. Uh, how is the Shiner Oktoberfest? I can't believe I've never had that. Man, I, I think it's a. Uh, I mean, well, if you really want to uh, find out what I think about it, go back to episode 38, or mm-hmm. go back to episode 54. Uh, and then read our pairing notes from there because we have done this twice on the show. Once we actually forgot it, and then if I'm being perfectly honest, I forgot I did this beer <laughs> when I was in checkout, and then when I got to the car, I was like, oh, crap, we've actually done this. Twice. What is yeah, it so- about us forgetting about Shiner Oktoberfest? Folks, in our, in our five-year... What an addictive hit- chemical! In our five-year history, 125 episodes, there's only been one beer, believe it or not, you think this would have happened more, uh, or that we would have developed some kind of spreadsheet to make sure this doesn't have. We were reviewing the Shiner Bach Oktoberfest, and the more we talked about it, about two hours in, it was just like, somebody (laughs) was like, man, this all seems really familiar. And sure enough, we had actually reviewed that, that beer before, 
and had no idea. And then I guess Tuttle forgot. <laughs> hey, say what you want about Tuesday and Cigar Club. We do not learn from our mistakes ever. Uh, he did it. Again, he did it again tonight. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it's just your, it's just a wonderful Marzahn Oktoberfest beer, uh, Shiner's take on it, and it's nice. It's got a little bit of a maltiness to it, but there's still a a, a decent enough spice to keep it interesting. Uh, I'm not going to put it on the level of the great German uh, German deals, but uh, it, it is Bavarian inspired, and that's okay with me. Is the the Marzahn that's going to give you axe? That's going to give you uh, kind of the wheat no or the yeast yes uh you're gonna get it the the marzo style it's gonna have a kind of a, a real bready flavor to it kind of like some banana maybe some cloves no I no mean, that, that's that's gonna be more like your hefeweizen oh they have no i'm sorry i gotta that's what i was i was thinking the hefeweizen i'm sorry they they i mean uh the the oktoberfest uh stat wise it's 5.7 percent abv it's 18 ibus i mean it's negligible just uh, like Tuttle likes it. Being, uh, you know, produced by Shiner, uh, which the the brewery, the Spetzel Brewery, still located in Shiner, Texas, uh, founded back in 1909 by one Mr. Cosmo Spetzel. Ooh. That's a name you just That's a name. Out. That's an awesome name. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, of course, they are most well known for their Bach beer, the Shiner Bach. Uh, you can in the good thing is now Shiner has, has grown and they are now available in all 50 states. So, oh, I didn't know if that. You, if you're getting a hankering for it, you can get you can find it. Well, I have you to are. jump to a different to a more hipster Texas beer. I was, I was gonna say all the Brooklyn hipsters are drinking Shiner Bach up there now. Uh, okay. Okay. I'm gonna have to stop drinking Shiner. Uh, and they're the ones who told me that uh, Oktoberfest beers taste like bananas. Yeah. They are bananas. I've been listening to no, the, hip, you're not. the hipster beer podcasters, and they're, they're wrong about everything. <laughs> uh, did you see Tut's face when I said, uh, oh, some bananas and cloves? You got all aggressive, like, get out of here. I made a mistake. I got my Hefeweizens and my, my Marzins confused. I'm sorry. It's the Austin hipsters. They've, they've gotten to me, man. I have no tolerance anymore. That's why Yak Boy is our resident beer expert, so I don't have to remember everything. And he was gentle. He was like, "No, okay, that's actually." And but you, you just—that's why the—that's why Van Halen broke up right there. So angry. What I've, from what I've heard, it that's true. That's actually accurate. Diamond Dave was talking about some bananas and clothes. And next thing you know, he was off the bus. Boom, <laughs> done. Uh, okay. Uh, oh, I guess when you talk about what I'm drinking. Oh, uh, yeah, yes. You are having from the delicious Coop Ale Works located in uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. The, the DNR. Do not resuscitate. Is a Belgian-style strong dark ale. And that can is pretty cool looking. I'll say that. It's got much. a dead. It's got a dead body on it with a toe tag. Toe tag. The coop. The coop brewery uh, logo on the toe tag, and I'm not really a, certain if that's the thing. Drink this beer. This is going to be you later. <laughs> what? Well, I picked it because it's a black can with a dead body. We got a lot of those. We got a lot of bodies in the morgue uh, in tonight's movie, so it, it certainly fits thematically. But uh, tell me a little bit about what the hell this is. I'm drinking. 
Like I said, it is a it is a uh, strong dark ale. You had, of course, picked Powerhouse this evening, ten percent ABV, mm. but it come it's uh, only comes in at uh, thirty IBUs. Abstracts. Eh, that sounds about right. So, Man, it's, I mean, it's, it, it, it's got a lot of flavors going on. Yes, that's what they they listed as it just being, you know, overly abundant. I mean, there's it's it's fruit, it's fruit heavy. Uh, yeah. It's really it's got a lot of like uh, like raisin dates, kind of the those real sweet kind of fruit notes. Yes. Uh, Really malty on the nose, real malt heavy uh, aroma, but uh, boy, just yeah, just a lot of fruit going on. There's there is that maltiness. Uh, the 30 IBUs is probably about right. Uh, it does have just a little bit of a bitterness. It's it's interesting. Uh, I'm worried about it with the cigar, to be honest with you. Uh, like you said, when <laughs> I should have read the beer, when it's like. The the special thing we do with this beer is we infuse two thousand flavors into it. Okay, well, <laughs> that excellent. Might, that, that might contradict, I guess, with the cigar. Maybe I don't know, or maybe it'll complement it. I don't know. It, it is. Um, there's like some apple in there. Like it's got a lot of just uh, and tut banana and cloves. Okay, all right. Yeah. They're in there. Uh, oh, I want to uh, bust in with a uh, breaking news from the Facebook Tuesday Night Cigar Club Facebook page oh boy. Uh, regarding the uh, Jerry Seinfeld clip that uh, you posted up there in response to the uh, the controversy that we had on the last episode. Regarding last episode, we almost the Tuesday Night Cigar Club like Van Halen almost broke up. Almost last broke up over a pair of Docker pants. That's correct, and you wisely and funnily uh, posted up the Jerry Seinfeld commercial, and then longtime listener uh, Brooke Von Lowe, uh, she you know clicked the like button on there because mm-hmm. guess what? Unlike other cigar podcasts, we like Seinfeld and recognize the genius of Seinfeld. It's the, the best show, show about nothing. Talked about everything. Right, you are, sir. Brooke knows. You're right. Longtime fan. She's been she's been clicking that like button and leaving comments since we first started this crazy circus. So uh, that's correct. I'm, I'm glad you're enjoying there. But yeah, uh, it was funny. Uh, things got really hostile in the last 30 minutes of our last episode, where Yak Boy and I took the position of kind of uh, kind of being a little bit critical of Docker slacks and no, oh, not critical. Y'all just y'all came out anti-Docker. We're anti-Dockers. No, um, no. And, oh, do, oh, don't don't try to sidetrack yet, boy. I, there was one moment no, where I was I, like, there's one time, yeah, boy, where I was like, you don't own a pair, do you? Actually, like, oh God, no. No, I didn't think our stance was so hostile. I, I thought we were just like, look, I'm not a fan of Dockers. They're, they're complete. What's the point of Dockers? And then the do, and then the doctor of all people tried to tell me that they're like a sixty, seventy dollar pair of pants. You got to go to Macy's to get or. Uh, you know, some fancy uh, Madison Avenue store to get them. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure you can get them at Walmart for like 20-something bucks. Oh, God, no. Uh-uh. So anyway, it, it got really contentious. And uh, honestly, when the mics... Doctors are a good quality item. When the mics got turned off, uh, yeah, like I made fun that they like come with the pleats already in them. And he was like, they have flat front too. They, you don't have to get the pleats. He's a big Docker's apologist. Uh, and I could say all this because he's not here tonight. <laughs> uh, 
Um, so yeah, go back and if you if you skipped ahead, go back and listen to that last thirty minutes. My God, we and it all started the just the main character of that movie wore a stupid pair of Dockers pants, uh, and things things tend to go where they go when we talk about the movie. I'm hoping we'll have those same kind of uh, fireworks tonight if we're lucky. Um, but yeah, okay. We talked about all three beers. We uh-huh. have one, one more uh, order of business before we get into the movie, and that is tonight's cigar. Oh, Todd, that looks beautiful on your screen. There, the light's hitting it just right. It's a beautiful wrapper. Okay, it is the Tatuaje Black by Tatuaje, obviously. Look at this. Look at that shine. That is that is beautiful. Look at that in the cap. The little... What do you call that? It's not a pigtail because you can't. But it's that little twisted uh, kind of pyramid cap. Um, I don't know what that's called. Uh oh. Of all of us, you'd probably be the most likely to know. Uh, that's the nub tip. No, that doesn't. That doesn't. That's not a thing. You yeah, just, yeah, 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 yeah. I've I've heard people call I'll it the call nub it tip. a nipple. Oh no, you know what? I think it, it, they call it a. Uh, it's like a it's like a chocolate chip cap. Yeah, I'm going like with nipple. It looks like a chocolate chip cap. I'm, I'm or, going uh, with the axis nipple. Or a really weird nipple. Hershey's uh, kiss? That's already taken. A Hershey kiss cap. There you go. It is a 5 and 5 eighths by 46. Uh, that qualifies it as a Corona Gorda. A Nicaragua. Look at that. Oh, and I have to warn you, as you guys know, uh, when you're getting the cold draw tut, it is a closed foot cigar. I got that. I got that. Uh, okay. okay. Uh, sometimes when we do a close foot cigar, one of us will be like, I'm not getting shit on this cold draw. It's like, well, then you... there you go. It is a Nic- Here's what this beautiful wrapper is, boys. A Nicaraguan sun-grown Criollo Esteli wrapper. Okay. Um, my God, it is just... It's leathery. It's It's got some oil to it if you, if you yep. rub your fingers down it. Uh, I mean, it's got some veins, but it just—it's a beautiful presentation. Uh, the binder is Nicaraguan, and the filler is Nicaraguan. So we got ourselves a Nicaraguan puro here. Puro, boys. all right. I will talk price point later. A uh, little background: This is Tatuaje's main man, Pete Johnson, who we've had here on the show. His personal blend that he originally made just for himself. All cigar blenders, uh, if if they're a cigar blender of any kind of status, make their own private blend that they keep in their shirt pocket. They hand out to to friends and family. Well, many moons ago, um, he eventually released this private blend out in super limited quantities. They originally came out in these uh, ceramic jars that were super, I mean, on the secondary market, these things went for way more than like the monster uh, boxes, like thousand dollars for these ceramic jars of the black label. And then years later, uh, he, he made it into a regular production cigar. Um, so you can actually find these now over at our friend FamousSmokeShop.com. If we like it and suggest you go out and get it, that's where I would recommend you go get it. Um, or right even at- if you just want to be anti-TNCC and say, you know what, screw you guys. I want to have it even if you don't like it. Yeah, you know what? Well, still, you- go to the TuesdayNightCigarClub.com, click on the FamousSmokeShop.banner, and then buy your Tatawai Black from there. Buy them what's wrong. Buy them ironically, using our promo code. Uh, why did I pick it for tonight's show? You may well ask, because our movie monsters tonight are Jet 
black, the blackest things you've ever seen, like Yak Boy's beer and my it, heart and Tuttle's heart. So I went with the Tatuaje Black. Uh, this is the black cigar, simple as that. And speaking of those monsters, shall we? Please do it. Uh, Ted, um, as I cut my cigar, though, before we get in the movie, let, let us know what your first impressions are of the cigar. Well, uh, there's a woodsy note. I'm not quite sure if it's cedar because you, you have to work yourself through that closed foot. So you're getting a lot of that wrapper coming right off into it. But it's a bright wood. Uh, there is a bright a bright woodsiness coming through on that cold draw and a little bit of sweetness is what I'm getting. Even a little bit of barnyard, a little bit of. Yeah. Well, you're definitely coming through. You're definitely coming through with that, uh, that transition as the cigar lights into it. Uh, that pretty much is the dominant flavor going into the cigar. We'll see what happens once I get, once this thing really takes hold. Uh, it's still kind of burning through, uh, that closed foot. Yeah, getting some uh, ooh, some really nice white pepper on the nose, um, and that woodsiness uh, is continuing. Um, it's funny you mentioned that bright woodsiness because that's what I, when you said that, it kind of, or maybe I said it, and you acknowledged it. I said no, I said bright woodsiness. <laughs> it is a bright woodsiness. It's kind of a, a, a just kind of a a really sharp, uh, pronounced. Uh, yeah, I probably classify it as like a cedar, but it's Yeah, but it's, I thought it was that was my first go to was cedar, except it's it's way more it's just brighter. It's 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 like a lighter and I hate saying lighter because the that makes you think that it's a, it's a brighter light presence, but it's just, not. It's a it's a heavy with, presence. Let's just go with brighter. Brighter. Though it makes no sense from a sensory tasting. I like it. I do too. And you're right, that pepper on the nose coming through that retro hill, it's all about it. Yeah, that white pepper pop with that uh, bright cedar uh, coming through. Uh, and I am getting just a very, very under, underneath it. And I think it's that sun-grown wrapper. I am getting a little bit of that kind of juicy sweetness, uh, that natural sweetness. But it's very faint underneath the cedar. Yeah, uh, I'm, not, I'm not, not getting the sweetness. It's but nice. I think, that might, I think that might actually be the, the Marzon drowning it out because that Marzon's got that breadiness coming into yeah. it. And I think that that's actually kind of, kind of taken over that lower palate. Well, I'm about uh, to take spot. a sip of my beer of a million flavors. So I'm sure it'll completely <laughs> destroy whatever. Uh... Cigar, it tastes exactly like this beer in every face. <laughs> yeah. So you, are you getting about what we're talking about there on the cigar? I am. I had just a, uh... The cold draw, I mean, I had a, a very strong, you know, you said, you know, like you said, that bright woodsy, but I mean, a little bit of the, the hay and leather. Yeah, the hay was there, definitely. Just on that, and then right there on that initial uh, the light up, I mean, that that little blast of the, of the, the spice, the pepper, I really liked that. It's still right there, but I mean, it was like initially just that first few puffs man it was so strong but like i said i think that was catching that that closed foot so 
Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm going to come back to it uh, fairly quickly, but let me introduce tonight's film. The third component of what makes the Tuesday Night Cigar Club so special. Slugs. Slugs. Not, not, you, special? not, not you two. I wasn't calling uh, you two. Uh, the name of the tonight's film is Slugs. Slugs. Uh, so catchy. 1988's Slugs. <laughs> hey, man, what else? Slugs. Slugs. Written by Ron. It could literally have been called anything. Absolutely anything. Horror from below. Slugs. Just Satan sewer. Slugs. Slugs. Look, we tested that with three different marketing groups, and it just didn't take. What they really gravitated to was slugs. Teenage girls don't want to go see a movie called Slugs. Slugs. Look, the director has final final approval on the title, and he's he's just committed on slugs. He says it's sexy. Well, it's either that, or they just kept coming out with these names, like uh, we'll call it it. Uh, that that one's already been taken. Oh, oh. okay. Yeah. Them. No. No. That, that no. no. Slugs. No, that one's not taken. All right, all right. That's it. That's it. No more. Let's do it. Can't imagine why. Uh, I, like, I like Kate's thought. No, the director thinks it's sexy. We're going with slugs. He's, no, he's Spanish. He's Spanish. He thinks Americans are going to like a movie called Slugs. Pick up your date on a Friday night in 1988. Hey, baby. I thought maybe we'd go over to what restaurants were around that. I thought we'd maybe hit the Dairy Queen and then uh, catch the 9 o'clock showing of Slugs. Oh, That's yes. Me. Oh, sounds great, baby. Shortest date ever. I just gave you the recipe for the worst date ever. But I'm Matt Cade, and I got a pack of cigarettes rolled up in my sleeve and a white T-shirt on, so I know you're coming. Let's do this podcast, baby. Slugs. Written by Ron Gantman, who adapted his screenplay from the novel by Sean Hudson. Yeah, there's a book about slugs. Uh, the film was directed by Spanish director uh, Juan Piquer Simon, who goes by J.P. Simon on the on his U.S. releases. Uh, he owned his own studio in Madrid, where he pumped out a ton of exploitation and horror films. Most notably, he directed 1982's Boston College set slasher film Pieces. Uh, Pieces is kind of well regarded in the in the horror community. I wasn't that big a fan of it, but. Uh, he, a lot of folks are. Um, all right, y'all ready to get your slugs on? Yeah, let's do this, man. I got my salt right here, just in case. I actually poured a line of salt across my doorway before we started this, because unlike when we do a Jaws movie, I know a shark can't get me in the corner of No Hope. This movie kind of... I don't, I don't like slugs. I, I right, first really... of all, all right, so, uh, yeah. I got the notion. I got the notice. Hey, we're doing slugs. And then I looked up that cover art, and I was like, "Oh hell no!" And I, I had the worst thoughts because one of the scariest scenes in all of cinema, Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan, uh, the when they put those ear little ear slugs in him, and creatures in our ears. Oh, that's 
that's what this yeah. movie. I, I was like, oh god, here we I go. I wonder. I wonder how many kids there are of the '80s like us that were traumatized by Star Trek II because of those ear slugs. I don't. I walked out of that theater. I didn't even pay attention to the rest of the movie. I was so traumatized from those ear slugs. That was the most disgusting thing I'd ever seen. It was. It was just terrible. And yet, here we are still talking about it to this day. I still can't tell you anything about that movie other than ear slugs. Well, these slugs go in every orifice of your body, not just your ears. Even better. Well done, J.P. Simon. Okay. I sure as hell am ready to talk about slugs tonight. Uh, How can we have a march to Halloween without a creature feature? Answer, we can't. Exactly. Need one. Always need a creature feature. This is our this is this year's creature feature, boys. Slugs are creatures. Slugs. Slugs. <laughs> what a, you know what, though? Do you think that maybe the slugs are just pissed off and want to fight humanity because of the name we gave them? It's oh, a really bad. It's a bad name, slugs. Look at those things. They're so stupid. They just move all slow. What do you want to call them? Slugs. <laughs> like you give all these other creatures these beautiful names or like these highly scientific names. No, they're slow and they and lug that shit off. Like, oh sure, that guy's got a shell. You're gonna call him a snail. What do I get? Nothing. Who's that dude? Oh, we call him a tortoise. Oh, that's beautiful. Were you guys gonna? You guys decide on a name for us yet? Yeah, we did actually. We got together last night. You guys are gonna be called slugs. <laughs> Ugh. See? Ugh. Hey, I started the show with Ugh. U-G-H. That's that's two letters away from slug. Slugs are the Uggs of the animal world. And trust me, folks, you're not going to like them any better tonight after, at the end of the show than you do. If right now you're listening, like, God, these guys are really hard on slugs. Uh, which I don't know who would ever say that. I think these guys are really unfairly uh, just coming down on slugs. They're not. Uh, they're evil. Not. They're evil. In the words of Mrs. Burke from Children of the Corn 2, they're evil, I tells you. They're evil. I warned you. I warned you they were evil. You slimy little bastards. Okay. So, uh, and by the way, before uh, I dive into the movie, because I tend to go fairly quickly, uh, boy, this cigar is burning beautifully. I got a straight burn line, and I'm getting nothing but cedar. I got a little hint of leather now that we're I'm about an inch in. Um, the sweetness was coming from my uh, Fruity Pebbles beer. Uh, I don't think that is the cigar. But that white pepper on the nose mixed with that bright cedar and leather, I, I'm liking the cigar quite a bit. Yeah, it's a nice little round from palate to retro. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you guys get anything new, jump. don't be afraid to jump in there. So we kick things off with a young teenage couple out in a rowboat in the middle of a lake. Despite the very cute blonde chick stripping down to her panties and begging, yeah. the, begging the doofus she's with to go for a swim with her, the moron says, man, the sewer dumps into the lake nearby. I'd rather just do some fishing. Yeah, that well, makes sense. Well, before too long, the decision to swim is taken out of his hands as he's pulled into the water by a violent force. She tells him to quit farting around, but only his hand emerges and shakes around briefly, reaching for help. She thinks he's still farting around, and right as she threatens to row away and leave his unhorny ass out there, 
a massive bubbling of blood erupts from the lake on the lake surface. He's she screams. Bloody bath bomb. She screams, and we cut to the opening credits of Slugs, colon, the movie. I love that touch. Well, they needed to remind us what it was. Slugs. Not to be confused with Slugs, the song, or Slugs, the TV show. This or, is slugs. Slugs, this, or Slugs, the Slugs. But also, I want to say it was a bold move on their part to go ahead and have them like actually spell it out in cursive. Slugs. Yeah, the, the credits are really cool. They the slugs themselves spell out slugs in cursive, while orchestral music mixed with a woman screaming plays out nicely. It has an epic kind of feel to it. The score. But yeah, I kind of wondered about that. Slugs, the movie. It's like you're in the theater. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Hamburger, the motion picture, is one of our favorite. And Hot Dog, the motion picture. Uh, I mean. Yeah, but they're really, you know, it's one of those, you know, let's say this ironically. They weren't being ironic when they said this. Slugs, the movie. Yeah. Should we start calling ourselves Tuesday Night Cigar Club, the podcast? Yes. Yes. We are the podcast. We are the podcast. I like that. Well, now it's nighttime on a quiet street, and as an older gentleman walks his dog, a muscle car barrels past him, screeching its tires, and the driver, a young, handsome, Matt Kate-esque rebel named Bobby, yells out his window, move it, scumbag! As the old guy falls down on the pavement, he bites it. I'll be honest, this might be my favorite opening scene of any movie in the entire history of movies. I really don't care where the film went from here. Once this Bobby did... Blares his tires and knocks this old guy down walking his dog and calls him the scumbag. I'm on board, man. I want to see Bobby the movie. Well, we'll find out. That'll be a little too late. Yeah. The old fucker, uh, cursing and grumbling, picks himself up and drags his squealing, unhappy dog back to his his nearby house. Actually, I was going to say, uh, we'll find out that we've actually been living Bobby the movie for, uh, <laughs> for quite a while. And this dog, man, I don't know what ADR. Luke oh, dude, it's all. AD- it's- I don't know. I don't know where they got the sounds of a miserable, tortured dog. It was horrible to hear. It really was. You don't it actually, made me wince. You don't actually see him dragging his dog back to his house, but you just hear this poor dog whimpering. Oh no, there was there was actually a there was actually a scene where I saw the dog's mouth not moving, but the ADR was placed over it. Yeah. And I was like, Oh thank God. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh well when he gets to his house, he sees the condemn sign on it and he spits on it. And the, the place is just littered with eviction notices. Well, the dude doesn't care. He just takes a long swig on the porch from his bottle of Southern Comfort he keeps in his bathrobe, and he enters the house. He's a real drunk, too, because one minute he's talking sweet to the dog. How about you and me get a snack, huh, Casey? Would you like that, boy? And then, like, a second later, shut up, you goddamn mongrel. My house isn't good enough for you. You want to go live with some better? Fuck you. <laughs> like, Oh, he's yeah, he's the, he, he. It's good acting. This good is act. what Danny's dad from Children of the Corn too. <laughs> this is what happens when he gets to be grandpa's age. This is our house. It's a shithole. Now you deal with that however you can, Casey. It's a fucking dog, dude. <laughs> the poor dog just wants to go to sleep. 
Uh, oh, and I say he pulls harshly on the on the on the pup's leash. It's just an old tethered rope. He doesn't have a leash. It's just a piece of rope. He drags him around. <laughs> well, we're not done with this guy yet. Inside the house, it's a total shithole. Empty beer bottles, dirty dishes, moldy leftover pizza. That's all this poor guy has to his name. And when he throws an old pizza box down the basement stairs, that's like his trash compactor. Uh-huh. Opens the basement door and throws his shit down there. It lands flat on a giant pile of slimy, jet black, uh-huh. enormous slugs. Slugs. And when imagine, I say enormous... If, imagine if your floor was just a covering of slugs. And when I say enormous, uh, listeners, I don't mean crazy proportions. Because it's a creature feature, but these aren't like Volkswagen slugs. Right. I'm talking like seven, eight inches, uh, which they're usually about a, a third of that at best. But they're big, fat, juicy slugs. Uh, about as big around as a ballpark wiener, Tut. That's that a tremendous right? wiener. Does that sound about right, Tut? Ballpark wiener? That's a tremendous wiener. Those are tremendous slugs. Uh, well, I can appreciate both approaches to the creature feature. I love them all. I do like it when the filmmakers get right down to business from the opening scene and show us the monster. So many creature features. An hour in, you still haven't seen what they're being terrorized by. I like that we see the slugs in the first five minutes. Like Everybody knows what a slug is, and it, you can't <laughs> sit there and say it's so huge that we can't show you. No, let's. they know that just a slug by itself is terrifying. Now make a whole horde of slugs enough to cover your entire floor and it just gives you the heebie-jeebies right off the bat. Well, I don't know if I don't know if one slug is terrifying. If I go out in the yard and I see a slug, I'm not it's like right. dead. I'm killing it with fire just to be sure. Okay. Eric cures most things. Well, the minute old drunkie plops down on his couch, the slugs tear him to pieces. We don't see it. We'll see plenty of that later. But we do hear him yelling and begging for his life as they devour him. Yeah, because things were going so good for this guy. I, would be, I thought I'd be thankful. Nah. Look, we don't know. Maybe maybe tomorrow he was going to turn his life around. We'll never know now. Well, slugs show no mercy, do they, Yaks? He's been institutionalized by the system <laughs> and the slugs set him free. <laughs> There's an island off the Philippines. George Soros has been brainwashing slugs. 30 years, folks, it's been going on. Uh, <laughs> you have to use some of my amino-infused iodized salt. It's the only thing that can stop them. Infowars.com. Meanwhile, across town at a swanky nightclub, Two well-dressed men and their wives are having a little double date. Oh, yeah, they are. Everyone seems to be having a good time, especially blonde drunk wife Maureen. Maureen Watson, as a matter of fact, who's ordering another round every three minutes. Tut style. (laughs) Seriously, there's just four of them sitting here, and their table has like ten empty beer bottles on it and a bunch of empty glassware. Us style. Yes. You're just in time. Don't spill it, the sexy drunk wife yells at the waiter as he brings her another round of Heineken's. Her calm, smiling husband. Is this our first drunk wife? No, yes. No, Raw Deal, Arnold. Ah. 
Yes, correct, correct. She was the the original drunk one. The cake. But this chick takes the cake. She's the Don't she's drink and bake. This drunk wife is much drunker than that drunk wife. She's my favorite drunk wife to date. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's great. She she is she sets the standard. Um her sm- calm smiling husband David, he, he David Watson, he's seen this. He knows what he when he took her to this nightclub, he knew what he was getting. He tells her, you know, Maureen, you might want to slow down a bit. Well, excuse me for having a good time, she slurs. I should mention, too, she's pretty sexy. Oh, very. That's like, the only a, reason that drunk wife can get away with it. There's a reason he's putting up with this shit. Uh, she's, she's pretty hot. Uh, when, her, when she asks her hubby to dance and he says no, drunk wife asks their companion, Mike Brady, yeah, Mike Brady, if he'd like to boogie, but he declines, which his wife Kim is thankful for. That's a weird thing to ask. Like, imagine if Tut, you and I were on a double date, and you're like, your wife was like, "Hey, Tut, let's go dance." You're like, "Nah, I'm not feeling it, baby." All right, Kate, what about you? Let's go boogie. You're like, do it, uh, honey. Uh, check. check. This please. is what you. This check, is the kind of. Please. This is. <laughs> so I don't like drunk wife anymore. She's fun when she's someone else's drunk wife. Exactly. <laughs> Kate and her out there disco dancing. I don't like her all of a sudden. Um, well, this makes uh, Mike Brady's wife, Kim, she's, she's happy that he declines to dance. Just great, drunk wife says. Another fun-filled night in boring old Nash- Ashton, New York, the armpit of America. As she chugs from her fresh glass of Heineken. You know what? I think we better go, uptight Kim says. I say uptight. She's just not drunk. Uh, and they, she and she and her husband, uh, local health inspector Mike, uh, get up and leave. He tells, uh, he tells Dave he has to meet Sheriff Reese down at the town drunk Ron Bell's house early in the morning to evict him, and it's getting late. I bet Ron Bell's the guy we just saw get ate by the slugs. That would be true. Good luck evicting him. On their way out, Mike and Kim run into Don Palmer, the county sanitation supervisor. Man, all these city workers are coming out to party tonight. It's a happening club. It's the only club in the armpit of America. And his strangely older European wife, Maria. Introductions are made, and Maria tells Kim that she doesn't look like the wicked bitch of the North at all, which at first offends Kim until Maria explains... No, no, no. My two sons are in your high school class that you teach. They're the ones who call you a bitch, and everyone laughs. (laughs) (laughs) This is just one example of a foreign director who thinks this is how Americans talk. Yes, yes. Back at home, Kim puts on some black lingerie and slinks her way into the bedroom. Do you, did you think Maureen is sexy? He's smart. I think she drinks too much. She <laughs> likes that. Uh, well, what do you do? You like this? But she even calls him on it. She was like, "You didn't answer." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but do you like this? She asks, showing him her lingerie and her stockings. Yeah, very much. He says. If you guys are wondering why some of the dialogue is so stilted and awkward in tonight's film, it's because much of it was shot in Madrid with Spanish actors and then redubbed in English later on. But they do a pretty good job of it. 
And it's really hard to tell because there are some scenes with American actors speaking American. It's, 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 it's kind of a unique kind of gel of yeah. styles here. Um, not with these babies. With these not, babies, you pick up all that stuff. You're like, man, did they do – is there any natural sound in this movie at all? I, I think Don Palmer, the sanitation guy, he's American. Yeah, but even then they they recorded him outside or they recorded him post to match him up with everybody else. But it does not take away at all from the viewing experience. That's important to to say. Um, well, I don't care. I don't care where they filmed it or how they record the audio cut. How about that Mrs. Brady and that that lingerie? Talk about hot for te- hey, talk about hot for teacher, huh? Yeah. <laughs> He's Mike Brady has it made. Dude, big wig county health inspector. He's got the big house. He's got the wife put on the lingerie. And Mike is thinking along the same lines. So, teacher, how about we start on our homework, he says, as they get down to doing it. But while they're fornicating most vigorously, the camera pans over to the bedroom window where a couple of big-ass slugs are sliming their way around. Here we go. It's not a good thing. The next morning, uh, Mike heads over to the sheriff's office in his government-issued health department station wagon. The cop man in the front desk, Deputy Dobbs, is arguing with his wife on the phone. She wants him to come home and kill some big-ass slugs that have gotten into their house, and he just laughs at her. You want me to come home to kill some giant slugs? You crazy woman. You know who never laughs about anything at all ever, boys? Who's Who's that? That's right. The super serious Sheriff Reese. Boy, this guy. He's pissed that Mike is two minutes late for their appointment. And as they drive over to Ron Bell's house, he not only tells Mike he can't smoke a cigarette in his patrol car, but when Mike throws it out the window, he threatens to fine him for polluting when Mike tosses the smoke out. I hate this sheriff guy, man. He was a, a giant stick up his ass, right? Yep. Well, they needed to identify it. I mean, how else are you supposed to know who you're going to like in slugs? And also, you got to when when they identify the slugs, he's got to be like, "I don't believe you. It's all crap." Yeah. Well, now you know this guy's not going to listen to anybody ever. That's good screenwriting. And well, the guy's a horrible actor. He he says his lines well enough, I guess. Stupid sheriff. And how about that? Did you guys notice the lighthearted, cheerful, flute-heavy orchestra music playing as the cop car it was went like, to Ron Bell's house? I was like, and then it ends in a giant swell of like percussion instruments, like this epic thing, and they're just like pulling into a house. <laughs> like, the, like, music, like, the music in this film does not fit what we're seeing on screen. Well, no, I, I, I couldn't figure it out because it took me a second for like, cause I was watching it, and all of a sudden, I was, you know, it's one of those where it's like, hey, I'm just passively watching. And I couldn't figure out what was going on. I was like, took, finally stopped. Like, wait, I rewound. It sounds like there's like, something epic going yeah, on. Like, what oh, no, I rewound it. Like, like, oh, I guess I, I guess I missed something. I should rewind this. Like, oh, no, they're just driving. But it was like the most epic, you know, Ben-Hur music <laughs> I ever heard. It was like Ben-Hur. And I, I, it was just them driving a car. Uh, this, this flick overall, like I said, makes some very odd soundtrack choices. But I personally think it adds to the movie's charm. Slugs. Slugs. Well, they're not inside Ron Bell's house for 10 seconds before they follow the rotten stench of death to the couch where we see Ron Bell's decomposed corpse. Actually, it's not decomposed. It's all the way 
decompose. It's basically a slimy skeleton head with some worms wiggling out of the eyeballs. Mike follows some slime trails on the kitchen floor leading to the basement door, but the smell's too damn bad. He does he can't even go down the stairs. Deputy Dobb tells him that the coroner said Ron's kidneys, his liver, his heart, everything was gone. And the guy can't even remember seeing anything like this back in Vietnam. Were they taking organs out of dudes in Vietnam? Oh, that's how strange it is. Well, I mean, that would imply that he actually saw stuff in Vietnam, but he didn't say, like, well, wait a second. What did you do in Vietnam? I was in the motor pool. Did y'all, speaking of this corner, did y'all notice the two corner guys who show up at every single crime scene in this movie to pick up the bodies? One of them is an old guy who's dressed up like, just looks just like Popeye the Sailor Man. Did you tell me you saw him? I I did not see him. He's got a little white hat on. He's got a squinty eye, a little corncob pipe, and he's got these white pants. And he's at every single crime scene, and he looks just <laughs> like he looks just like Popeye. This is what the Americans look like. Go with it. As they leave the house, Mike asks Sheriff Reese what his theory is, and he says, "Eh, it's probably wild dogs or just a pack of raccoons." But Mike isn't buying that. He thinks it might be rats. Yaks. You're a well-rounded guy. You've seen it all. Have you ever witnessed raccoons doing this kind of damage to a human being? He was skinless. It was a skeleton with worms coming out of his eyeballs. Well, that you know, I was sitting here. The first thing I thought about, well, wait a second. You're not out like, you know, you went and drove like, you know, an hour outside of this city. You're in the city. You're, you're clearly in a, a semi, you know, other than this dude. The houses don't – it's not like they're in, like, some sort of run-down place. I so think it was – I think it was just not back. Well, it could just be a pack of roving, vicious dogs that could attack anybody at any moment. <laughs> <laughs> you know what – so you're what? Raccoons? They're vicious, I tell you. Well, I, I, think, it was, I think it was that – no, no interest in the fact that he just implicated, like – so wait a second. The health inspector – because wait a second. A pack of vicious dogs? Shouldn't you be looking for that? Yeah. <laughs> All right, homicidal raccoons, that's what you're typing up on the report. You're okay with this? All right. I think it was just all the trash in the guy's house. He just was like, you know, raccoons probably, they like trash. Makes sense. Uh, They're called trash pandas. Yeah. Okay. Well, next stop on Mike Brady's work to-do list is the home of elderly windbag Florence Fortune, who's called both the health department and the sanitation department to complain about her sewer backing up. And that's why Sanitation Department bigwig Don Palmer is pulling up to Miss Fortune's house at the same time Mike is. Man, we had the cranky blowhard Mrs. Burke on our last episode. Now this wrinkled old sourpuss. She's not on welfare. She pays her taxes, and she wants him to show her some results as she holds her little dog. I so, almost thought these two were related. I thought Ms. that like these these were sister pairs. Yeah. Well, what do you do when an old lady's yelling at you and pays her taxes? You put on your hazmat suit like Don does, and you climb down in the sewer. And, man, I hope you guys agree with me. The cinematography down in these sewers is awesome. It's realistic. It's atmospheric. High attention to detail, like on the walls. It just I thought everything they do under underground looks amazing. I thought it was a sewer, so that's my highest compliment. 
Yeah, like I'd be wondering if this is something J.P. Simon built on his Madrid soundstage. If he did, kudos. But otherwise, if if they actually let him go down into some sewer, it, it looked great. Yeah, really, really did. good. And they lit it great. Like you could just feel like the slime on the walls, and the the lighting being seemed natural without forced. It's yeah. gotta be fucking dark down there, but they made it seem right. like. Uh, yeah, I, I I really like the way it looked down there. Well. To me, my problem with it was, is like, you know, you're implying that this is her sewer, but I was like, I don't know, just, it's basically, it's, you know, like they just, which they implied in the beginning, oh, the sewer empties out here. But I was like, you know, he's over there to clean her sewer pipe. So basically it's just raw sewage is pouring out into this tunnel. Yeah. But I was like, well, there's no water flow. What's washing it away? That'll be enough out of you, Yakwe. Yeah, I so, mean, enough of this tech. engineering. Uh, you know what? I got, I got one word answer for that. Slugs. <laughs> Slugs. <laughs> uh, well, it's weird because where we grow up, there's there's a sewer out that's like in your backyard. Like it goes to the street. Like you don't have to go down underground into like some stuff. Like it's just a big – they just snake it from like the – the end of your street, like there's no under, you know, it's that's kind of like a northern thing, I think. Uh, I think so, or at least where the old sewers are. Yeah. Uh, well, Don begins to pull all sorts of normal crap out of Misfortune's sewer line with this metal hook, um, but suddenly he starts pulling the skins of dead animals out. And then, as he kind of looks at that weird, a force from deep within the pipe grabs his metal hook and pulls it away from him, and he runs the hell out of there. Who wouldn't? Exactly. Uh, but yet he doesn't go to file a report like, I just lost my giant metal hook. Yeah, that wasn't raccoons. Sewer raccoons. <laughs> Those damn sewer trash pandas. That might be a... Sewer I'm, pandas. I'm going to make a horror movie. Sewer raccoons. And then the chuds came for me. It's always the chuds with you. Uh, boy, the, the strength on the cigar, as far as the not on the retro hail, but the body of the cigar, uh, the strength has kind of picked up for me. Uh, towards the end of the first third, it's it's got a little bolder, uh, that woodsiness and the there's kind of an earthiness that's been growing. Uh, I'm getting I'm getting a little more strength um, on the draw. It's nice. You guys getting that? Yeah, I've still got a, I've still got a nice balance between the uh, the woodsy cedar and the leather going on. I haven't quite gotten into the earth stuff, but yeah, um, definitely. It's right there with it's it's kind of growing towards the end of the first third with that uh with that leather and and cedar and and like most tetois that spice is not going anywhere on the nose. Uh, I am having to space it out with this beer though. This beer was a bad choice. Uh, you live, you learn. You know, after 125 episodes, you think I would have learned. Uh, yeah. Maybe by episode 250, I'll I'll figure this thing out. Are is you are your are your beers working okay with it? Oh yeah, I look forward to uh, revisiting this and uh, rediscovering it next year. Uh, I can't wait to hear your thoughts then um, as well. <laughs> Yax, how's the Murphys playing with it? Uh, Murphys is fantastic. I thought it might be here. Yeah, yeah I'm quite should... jealous. Envious. Yeah, me too. That's what I should have done. Uh, Every time well, I what... open up these delicious cans with this little widget, uh, <sighs> just a Blast of nitrogen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Blast of nitrogen. Blast of nitrogen. You don't see the widget in a lot of craft beers, do you? 
Well, not a lot. I mean, it just depends if that beer is going to have if they're using nitrogen for it. No, but I'm just saying as a whole, I I can't think of a, a like a Texas craft beer or a you know because that's what we primarily feature. But you know, you just don't see the widget used in in a lot of craft beer. It seems like it's mainly the the English stuff, the Boddingtons, the the Guinness, the Murphys. Um, well, like I said, I mean, majority of those are being served on nitrous. Nitrogen. Yeah. And so you're, besides being brewed that way, you want to add that little bit extra of it when you, you know, open the can. So I just like, I love the widget. I always like uh, the widget. Okay. Well, over at the ha- at the high school, Kim Brady has dismissed. Can you imagine having this chick as your teacher? Oh, man. Really couldn't, not after seeing her in her life. Give me something to write on, man. <laughs> class. Oh, wait, she does dismiss her. She does dismiss her class. Uh, she Kim dismisses her English class. And guess who's waiting uh, outside for all the cute chicks to come out as the lunch bell rings? I'll give you a clue. He's leaning on his muscle car in a white tank top smoking a cigarette. Yeah. No, it's it's not me, you silly gooses. It's Bobby, the guy from the opening scene. Oh yeah, yeah, Bobby, the super cool rebel that called Ron Bell a scumbag and almost ran him over for fun. That guy, that Bobby. Uh, I can see how you guys got confused. We call him Bad News Bobby. That's right. Such a badass. I I related to this guy. Um. <laughs> Well, a chick runs right over to Bobby, and they start devouring each other's faces right there in the parking lot. And then we cut to Mike Brady watching them make out from his car. And the biggest creeper scene ever. As he smiles and kind of gives us, the audience, a, yeah, that's hot kind of look. What was that about? It doesn't... It was a weird, it was the most weird, unnecessary cutaway shot in the history we've ever had on the show. It was. Because that's not, like, has anything to do with his character. He's not a creep. He's not, like, but, dude, they just had this weird shot where he's watching them make out. And he's like, oh, yeah. That's yeah. hot. <laughs> what the hell? Again, I think foreign director, maybe some lines got crossed. I'm glad you guys picked up on that. It wasn't just me, though. <laughs> no, I, it was one of those where it's just much like the score for them driving up in the cop car. It's just sort of a head-scratching one. Like, yeah, there's just a lot of stuff in this movie that's like, that makes no sense. And you're like, oh, wait, slugs. 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 And I think probably the guy playing Mike, uh, Mike Brady was probably like, are you sure you want me to do this? It doesn't really feel... In- Sync with my character. Do it. And then he was do like, dulcimo. Then he looked down at his check, and in the, the comment line, it says, Slugs. He's like, I oh, am. Yeah. Do you guys recognize him at all, Mike Brady? I don't. I didn't, I didn't recognize anybody. Nope. The only one you might recognize is Mike Brady, and that's because he was one of the main, the main, uh, in the movie The Warriors, he was one of the main gang members in The Rogues who were the, the main guys that try to take down the Warriors. David Patrick Kelly, is that his name? The, the now I need to get three bottles and start clicking them together. 
come out and play. He was one of the main dudes in that gang. I just recognized his face enough to look him up, and sure enough, he was he was huh. in the Warriors. Yeah, I didn't recognize him. Um, and he spun that. Good ass. He spun that success into slugs. 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 Can you dig it? I was at the Warriors. Damn it. We're, I'm at I'm at the liquor store with my nine year old daughter. She had off for Columbus Day this week. She's like, so what are we doing today? I'm off from school. I'm like, we're going to the liquor store. I got to find a slug beer. She's like, oh yay! So we get we, we get to the liquor store, and I'm like, all right, you start on that end. I'll start on. I try to make it fun for her. I'm like, you start over there. I'll start over here. I need you to look for look at all the beers. And anything that looks like sewer, that has anything to do with sewers or slugs, that's what we're looking for. And she's like, why would someone make a slug beer? Or like, a? would you drink a sewer beer? I'm like, look, just come on, work with me here, babe. Come on. Uh, I think she had fun. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Slugs. Well, Mike uh, takes Ken out to lunch at the same diner that Bobby and the cool kids go to. Bobby's telling them some real evil must have gotten hold of that mean old drunk Ron Bell. But a girl at the table swears it was the goat killer. She says the goat killer has been coming down from the hills, killing people for years, and then he eats them. Now, this theory certainly perked up my ears. Maybe not you... Tut. Where, did the slugs get tut? They did. They did. Uh, he tried to scream, but they had already severed his vocal cords. Oh, wait. Uh, no, there tut. Yeah. The goat killer thing probably didn't resonate with you at all, but I would hope, as a fellow local boy, Yak Boy, did this perk your ears up, the mentioning of the yeah. goat killer? Yes, it did. In our hometown, ladies and gentlemen, we had a legend known as the Goatman who lived on the outskirts of town. He had one human leg and one uh, hoof, goat hoof. He wore a bell around his uh, neck, and he would come out and, and, and harm children. And one night, um, as a middle schooler, I was uh, privy to be taken out in a muscle car, much like Bobby's, and we <laughs> set a trap for the goat man with some older high school kids, and uh, he was real. Yeah, boy, you, you know what I'm talking about, the goat man? Yeah. We didn't call him the goat killer. We gave him a little bit of respect, the goat man. Was not a chupacabra. No, he actually like had a house and paid bills and stuff. He just had a, had a goat leg, and he wore a bell around his neck. Did you ever see him? No, I didn't. No. If he had a house and paid bills, did you just look up in the tax records and just go to the house? You want middle school kids to go down to City Hall and, and look up tax records for the goat man? Bill yes. Goatman. I kind of want to see this. Uh, it was a real thing, and everybody in town knew about the goat man, and it was, it was I think he uh-huh. makes... I think he might still be out there. <laughs> he did make goat sounds too. 
You know who's not an urban legend, boys? Who is? That's right, Todd. I'm talking about Pappy Van Winkle. He's not oh. an urban legend. He actually existed. Yeah. We're not talking about an urban legend like Rip Van Winkle. No. Pappy Van Winkle. He was a real dude, and as a tribute to one of the most legendary names in American bourbon history, the cigar-making wizards over at Drew Estate, I'm looking at you, Willie Herrera, have concocted a very special cigar in his honor. The Pappy Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented Cigar is a long filler premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at La Grande Fabrica, Drew Estate, in Esteli, Nicaragua. Deep barrel fermentation is the key process that makes this expression vastly different from anything on the market. Anything else on the market? Hand-selected leaves from Kentucky are packed into small torquettes, which are then loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels. Water is then added, while mince pressure is applied to the torquettes via railroad jacks. The tobacco is removed two, three times per year, shaken out, then repacked. The total process of fermentation takes 12 to 18 months, leaving a truly unique flavor profile and aroma. The Pappy Van Winkles Family Reserve Barrel Fermented is now available at brick-and-mortar Drew Diplomat retailers everywhere. Seek them out. Woo-hoo. Woo-hoo. Where were we? Oh, yes, it's lunchtime. So we now check in on Drunk Wife, who's come home from the grocery store. And no surprise here, she chooses to have a giant bottle of fucking wine for lunch. Me style. It's a thing. It's a thing. I just, I love how much she is into her character. And what's up with the maroon varsity jacket she's wearing that just says cheerleader on the back? Cheerleader. Well, I guess they have to identify what she has been. Again, I think that's, I think that's a foreign director. Like, oh, Hot American wife, I bet she would wear this. Like, but you know, it's funny you say that. And and in and in a lot of cases in these little bitty, you know, vignettes, it's accurate. You know, you could tell that it was somebody looking through the lens of a foreign, uh, a foreign culture, saying this is what America is. But they get so many things right, like the vehicles. It was all timely. Uh, the architecture was timely. The fashion was timely, except for this cheerleader deal. But most of it, because like even with all the ADR, I didn't I didn't make the connection that this was a, a Spanish guy shot in a Madrid studio. Because yeah. I was just like, I mean, well, I, I, some of it, there was something some of it, that was off that made me think that this is probably a foreign production. I was thinking Italian sleaze. Yeah. Uh, but they, I was like, man, they got a lot of the stuff right. They did, and on it, and some of it was shot in in upstate New York. So it, it was a, 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 okay. a, a code. There, some stuff is actually shot here in the States. Some stuff was done over there. Some stuff was done in English. Some stuff was dubbed. It's kind of a, a hodgepodge of, of different things. Okay. I'm just guessing maybe he thought that despite that she's clearly in her like early 30s, she was a high school cheerleader, and now she hasn't accomplished anything else, so she still wears that jacket as like a, a source of pride. Maybe. I mean, look at the whole pink phenomenon. Let's just put like words he, on the stuff. Like, he doesn't know that, like, nobody wears their varsity jackets beyond their varsity or high school. But Uncle Rico and that quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars still wears their varsity jacket. Uncle Rico and Drunk Mom. There we go. <laughs> That's a pair. Well, Drunk, I'm sorry, Drunk Wife, not Drunk Mom. Drunk Wife. Uh, tosses the head of lettuce she brought home from the store into the sink and heads off to the living room to watch cop shows and get blitzed all afternoon. Really like Drunk Wife. But we see the head of lettuce in the sink start to move a little bit. Uh Uh-oh. Slugs. 
There's slugs. In it. There's slugs. <laughs> in it. Um, we now join Harold and Jean Morris over at the Ashton Nursery, where Jean is none too pleased about finding slug eggs all over a large portion of their plants. She orders her husband to take care of them, despite him begging her to get off his back about shit. Yeah, she gets more like her damn mother every day. Grumbles. Remember that crazy ass insane nose, that crazy ass nosebleed scene in Children of the Corn two. Yeah. Last episode. We all love that scene, and I think here comes this film's masterstroke and craziest shit, unique <laughs> as hell bloodshedding. Uh, as Harold inexplicably brings a humongous canister of gasoline into the nursery. We watch as a humongous black slug crawls into his work gloves. Harold then proceeds to slide on the gloves, and the slug bites down on his hand hard, and it won't let go. Harold bashes his hand over and over again against the table, but it's still no luck. He tries to cut the glove off with some hedge clippers, but the gloves are too thick, and (laughs) that doesn't work. During all this, he's freaking out, and he accidentally pulls a six-foot-high shelf full of potted plants down on top of himself as he's spinning around wildly in pain. His wife, Jean, by the way, she can't hear any of this commotion as she's vacuuming inside the house. We go back out to the nursery where Harold has grabbed an axe and begun hacking away at his wrist with blood bubbling out all over the place. Dude, this went from, oh, shit, there's something like love. Under a minute, he's chopping off his own hand. That's some terrible thing. At least we can say this. This man is decisive. (laughs) I've tried everything except removing my hand. (laughs) You know what? Help's not coming. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this is what's hurting me. Nothing else is working. I'll get rid of this. I got I another think hand. That there might be some other implement that could remove that glove. That 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 glove. What about tightening their fingertips in a vice and trying to pull it out that way? Why do? You, why would he have a vice in a nursery though? That makes no sense. Why did he have the gas can in the? Big why did he have a sixty-four gallon thing of gas that he just drug in there? Well, my other question is: Is why didn't you know? If you're willing to hack off your own hand, why didn't you just flip the hatchet around and just pound your hand into oblivion? I don't know, because we've seen that when these slugs are smashed with stuff, they die. We'll so see I'm that. Sorry. We'll see that a little bit later. I don't know why this slug was was just relentless, but it was. Well, his wife, Jean, finally hears, hears Harold's screams of agony. And when she goes out in the nursery, she can't believe her eyes. Her husband, she was just out there two minutes ago and everything was fine. Everything has collapsed. There's fumes coming from the ground from this chemicals that he knocked over. Her husband's hand is severed at the wrist, blood shooting out everywhere. He's screaming. And just as she races over to help him, those highly flammable gardening chemicals... Uh, that he spilled, started an electrical fire, and when that reaches the giant jug of gasoline he just brought inside, of course, the entire nursery goes up in a giant ball of flames. And I'll say this, it was a very impressive explosion, and they were so smart to cut away from it in time, just fast enough, where I couldn't tell. I was like, did they just blow up a house? It looked great. That And that's what started to confuse me. I mean... Even in the beginning, I'm like, you know what? There's there's some production value here. There really is. Between the but sewer stuff. Like, this was like, I don't know. I, like you just said, 
all of a sudden, boom, they blew up a house. But then I was like, wait a second, it looked like a real house. It did, and I rewound it, and I rewound it, and I was like, I rewound it, and I was like, man, that that could be a little model house. But if it is, they did a damn good job because there's another house in the distance behind it. There's telephone wires. I'm like, surely they didn't blow up an entire nursery and house for this movie, Slugs. But I, dude, that was, as a kid, I got a VHS tape, The Making of Return of the Jedi, and it was uh, before DVD, you know, it was the 80s. But that was one of George Lucas's big tips. You know, I wanted to make movies, and I was writing down everything uh, these guys would say. And George Lucas was like, always don't ever dwell. I know you put months into building this uh, Sarlacc pit, you know, for Jabba the Hutt, or this, you know, this skiff, or this creature. You've These craftsmen spend so much time building these things. But the worst thing you can do as a filmmaker is to linger on it because you're so proud of it. Get the hell out of there. Just show the, the skiff for a second. Show the Sarlacc pit and then cut because the longer you hang on it, the more people are going to realize it's fake as shit. Yeah. And, and this guy does a good job of that. Whenever there's like the, the hands spewing blood or the yeah. house blowing up, he cuts he cuts and moves on. That's That's good. That's really good. Well, Mike Brady arrives uh, home in a station wagon, just like the original Mike Brady did every day after a long day's work at the architecture firm. Dude, we're not that far at 88 removed from the Brady Bunch. You can't name your main dude Mike Brady and have him drive a, straight, a station wagon. That's how they know he's American. His name is Mike Brady. I'm just going to name him after another famous entertainment character uh, from the United States. Okay. He finds his wife. Welcome Kim. to our new main character, Han Solo. <laughs> yeah. uh, Deputy Mayor Han Solo. He finds uh, Mike finds his wife Kim gardening out in the front lawn. She tells him about Harold and Jean Morris dying. Dude, this is another great thing. Oh, geez, they were nice people. I like them. There's just some weird. Uh, and he's an American saying that shit, and it sounded weird. <laughs> uh, but this highly emotional moment is interrupted the second Mike sees slime trails in Kim's garden. No yaks, that's not a euphemism. It, it probably is. I'd like to see slime trails in her garden. Uh... <laughs> hey, Tut, keep it clean. This is a PG-13 podcast, pal. Uh... Slugs. Slugs. He's been seeing these damn slime trails all over town as he was inspecting new houses that are being built. And then Kim's like, oh, it's funny you say that. I just saw the world's biggest slug. Look at that. He can't believe his eyes. Big? He's like, you crazy bitch. That's the. That's crazy. He's like, look at that. He reaches down to grab the slug, and it bites his finger. And that's a cool shot. You actually see the slug, like, hiss at him. Yeah, his teeth. Yeah, his teeth. Slug. Has teeth. It has a mouth, like an actual like cheetah mouth. What kind of slug bites humans? He asks his wife, but she's an English teacher, not a science teacher. She doesn't know what the hell. But she might know someone who does know. She brings Mike a glass jar, which he uses to scoop the slugs up in, and the married couple races off to the high school. Dude, this music. 
he doesn't explain why it's important that they race off. He doesn't explain what the hell's going on. But she tears off her clothes, and they just start huffing and racing. But first, across town at Drunk Wife's house, her husband, David, is pulling in the driveway after work. And he honks a few times to give her a heads up that she's got about 30 seconds to wake up, peel herself off the couch, hide the booze, and act like she's cooking dinner. <laughs> it's a daily routine. I love they have their daily routine. I get a feeling this is the routine, and they're both very comfortable with it. Uh, <laughs> so she, she does all those things, and he comes in the kitchen as she's frantically chopping the head of lettuce. Just making dinner. That's what I've been doing. That's right, honey. As she chops that lettuce, though, we can see that one of those slugs is in the middle. She's chopping that slug into, into that salad, too. David's disappointed they're having salad for dinner. Who wouldn't be? I was hoping for some steak. Oh, we've been eating too much red meat, big boy, she says. But maybe I'll give you your dessert beforehand. And all of a sudden, his mood and his trouser slug both perk up. That doesn't sound very erotic, does it? No. It does Trouser slugs. <laughs> slugs. Oh. Oh, but he says, well, dessert, I'd settle for some wild hors d'oeuvres. Again, weird stuff Americans would never say. Uh, so they start making out. God, I love the dialogue in this film. It's just, I'd love to, to get a glimpse of what other countries think we're like. <laughs> I think this film does kind of a real 1988 kind of time capsule crazy look at us. No okay. Um Over at Ashton High School, Mike Brady squeals the station wagon. He's dude, 100 miles an hour with his jar of slugs, peels into the high school parking lot, and him and Kim sprint out of the car carrying the mason jar with the slugs in it. The music is racing, it's pulsing, it's pounding along too. And at no point has his wife, Kim, asked her husband why he just drove 100 miles per hour across town to bring this abnormally large slug over here? Nope. She's just frantically running around with him everywhere, zero questions asked. Like that would ever happen. She's going along with her husband. She believes in whatever he's he's doing. There should have at least been some... Mike, what are you doing? You just ran over a homeless guy. Quiet. Shut up. i got to get these slugs to the high school. They barge into the biology laboratory where her colleague, I wish the doctor was here, John Foley, is fortunately working late. The biology professor, played by a Spanish guy with a dubbed Austin Powers British accent. Why? Because it fucking works, that's why. <laughs> Puts one of the slugs in a Petri dish and gives them a brief science lesson on slugs. No books. He just knows all about slugs. He starts telling them everything. Professor John says that they use their four rows of teeth, yaks, they all have teeth, to, gr so. to grind up leafy greens. But Mike wants to know, do they ever eat meat? I beg your pardon. Hey, that's pretty good. English accent. Usually my English accent sounds Australian. <laughs> I beg oh, your pardon. I beg your pardon? No, but he... I beg your pardon, John says. There are some species that do eat tiny worms and insects, but you know you have to keep it, you have to keep in mind, Mike. Most slugs are the size of your thumbnail. Nicole Kidman. <laughs> and just like that, Mike's like, all right, let's go. 
And him and Kim leave. He, he tells Professor John, I'll call you tomorrow. He just ran every red light to take these slugs over there. And, eh. Whatever. Okay. Uh, Doc, you said that they're all the size of your thumbnail, but what about that seven-inch bad boy right there? Well, we call that the trouser slug. Yeah, baby, it's a trouser slug, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Trouser slug is my middle name. <laughs> uh, we then join drunk uh, wife post-coitus as she comes down the stairs. Aww. Now wearing only a skimpy negligee. Yeah. Yeah, I kind of wish we'd seen some more of that too, Todd. She apologizes to David for being such a bitch all the time. Uh-oh. That's not me saying that. She says that. No, I know that. She knows. Not letting our listeners know that. I'm not. I'm not calling oh, her. Oh, I, okay. I had no problems with drunk wife. I, I like. I thought she kind of was a fun chick. She knows that her drinking's been getting the upper hand on her lately, and she thinks Uh-oh. it's time. She thinks it's time for her to start seeing somebody about it. Keep in mind, as she's oh, no. saying, she's holding a drink. <laughs> you know, guys, I've I've noticed my drinking's been getting the upper hand of me lately. Hold on. I think, ah, ooh, that was good. I think I might need to start seeing somebody about it. I'm not saying I can't relate to Drunk Wife. I'm just saying they got some things accurate. David can't believe his ears. Yes, Drunk Wife. I'm surprised you didn't have like a retort, like, really? Like another bartender? (laughs) (laughs) But he does say, are you serious? I mean, you love being drunk wife. And she says, I just can't risk losing you. And he's like, oh, you're not going to lose me. To which if I'm drunk wife, I'm like, well, fucking A then. I guess we're good. Yeah, let me put my cheerleader shirt back on. and Bring another round. Let's do this. Cue the, cue the Fritz song. Let's go. Yeah. Uh, well, that tender moment, moment uh, or in Spanish it's moment, uh, is ruined when David starts to have some severe stomach cramps that they blame on the anchovies drunk wife put in their dinner salad. And here's Uh, where I'm like, uh uh-oh. In this momento, that's actually Spanish for moment, it's momento. Well, I'm sitting here Uh, going, like, how would you? Well, I'm I'm just like, uh uh-oh. She's reconciling her wild ways, expressing her love and devotion. Oh, this couple's toast. They're toast. Well, you gotta admit, if he dies from the salad, this anchovy salad that she made him drunk, that that's only gonna lead her to drink more. Yeah, yeah. My God, I mean, the the guilt alone is is drunk mom, and and she's not gonna be fun drunk mom, drunk wife anymore. She's gonna be like sad drunk wife. That's the thing is that we're losing fun drunk wife, and it will yeah. be bitter drunk wife. Yeah, and later on we're gonna get a we're gonna hear word that drunk wife is now sad drunk wife, and I that made me sad. She's wearing her cheerleader varsity jacket on Inside Out. Oh, oh man. Yeah, I don't want to see that either, guys. It's Nobody shady. needs to go there. Uh, well, he says usually he loves the anchovies, but uh, I'll be okay. She wants to call a doctor, but he, he says he's fine. She urges him to go to bed, but he has to go over some of his very important business contracts one last time as he's meeting the Calgore Corporation representatives to finalize the new shopping center deal tomorrow. Uh, you guys... 
ever eat anchovies? No. Yes. You're disgusting. I would have predicted that. I would have said tut no, yak boy yes. I, I, why? I, because he's far more adventurous than I am? Maybe I just don't like anchovies. I've had them on uh, some Caesar salads. Oh, yeah. But I've never, I've never like had them on pizza or anything else. No, I've had them on pizza, too. And I will honestly say... In were, the, they, were they good? Acquired taste. I did not acquire it. The salad is fine. Because I mean, it works well with it works the well with the with the blue cheese and in the Caesar right. dressing. Like it works okay. But like actually putting it on pizza, I've tried it many times and I've never. But Ty, you're over there. You're over there barfing, dry heaving. But have you ever have you ever tried them? No. <laughs> well, have you ever had a Caesar salad that had it in the dressing? In the words of Jules, sewer right might taste like pumpkin pie, but I wouldn't know because I wouldn't eat the filthy motherfucker. You had it for you just know it. They're, they're just little fish, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Typically, you know, it's like a it's like, nope. it's like a, a, a dried sardine. Nope. Yeah. Or is the Spanish say sardini? I think that's, oh, that's Italian. Nope. That's Italian. Uh, I think uh, Spanish is El Sardinos. I think that's right, El Sardinos. El Sardinos. Uh, guys, I'm about halfway through the cigar. Where are you at? Right about halfway, I'm, almost get it into the final third. Yeah, I'm 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 about to the to the third. Leather has overtaken the cedar for me. Uh, leather is the dominant, smooth, very. <coughs> excuse me. I say <coughs> I say smooth as it launches me into this giant sneezing fit. Uh, sm- a really smooth kind of medium leather on the draw. The cedar's kind of taking a back seat. Uh, I am getting that under still that under level. Uh, Earthiness right underneath it. Pepper still on the nose. I think the strength is even a little bit more uh, pronounced on in the retrohale and the body in the second half. Uh, man, this is a really cool little cigar. I, I like it. I really like yeah. how the strength picked up there. Uh, it really kind of become... It's like medium strength, but the flavor, it's not quite full flavor, but it's pretty close. I mean, it's, it's, it is... It's close to full, yeah. It is not, it's a nice little flavor bomb. Uh, and I, I, I really kind of appreciate that. Uh, yeah, I'm still, I'm still hanging in on that cedar though. I haven't transitioned fully into full on, full blown leather. Uh, that, that pepper on that note, it's, it's, it's a really nice retro hail. I really kind of like it. Uh, so I love Pete. I love Pete's retro hails cause the, that, that pepper is kind of always there. That's kind of his, his trademark. And I, I do like how it fluctuates. Uh, it definitely is ramped up here in the middle portion. I like uh, how it's an approachable retro hill too. Oh, it is too. It's not, yeah. Um, but I, I would definitely put this at uh, medium, bordering on medium, full strength. But it's it's still keeping in the medium lines, even with that pepper. Uh, but man, I'm gonna go ahead and touch. I'm gonna give it full body. Uh, Are you? Between I, the between it the wouldn't take it wouldn't take much to push me to full. Between the cedar, the leather, and I, and I am getting that that earthy component, um, yeah. And and construction has been awesome. I've had to relight a couple of mine, but it's it's a little bit hot out here, so I had to put on a fan, and it's blowing directly on me. So that's 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 my fault. That's not anything to this. Yeah, I, I've had to relight just because I've been running my mouth. But uh, Yax, are you on board with all this? I am absolutely. I do and, like it. I like that. Like the 
the leather component, that's especially for me right now, that's that's the number one dominant flavor right now. That pepper on the retrohale is still there. The it has picked up. I don't think it's picked up as much in terms of strength. It getting towards halfway, it you know, it doubled and then it but for me I, I would say it just stayed right there. I haven't I haven't noted anything else getting towards that lower third. So I'm just I don't know. I, I'm hoping, you know, maybe here in this, that, that, that last third, that pepper or something will transition. Yeah. I would care to see where this goes in the final third. Uh, Cause the, the, I, I've kind of liked the transition from the first to the second. Let's, let's see how this thing ends. Uh, I'll check back here in just a little bit. Um, well, the moon is now high in the sky. So, you know, damn well that teenage rebel Bobby is on the prowl for some pie. <laughs> Hey, that rhymed. Yeah, it, it did. Yeah, it, it did. Apparently, I write really inappropriate poetry now, so I guess I can add that to my ever-growing list of completely useless things on my resume. Sad, worthless talents. There's oh, I don't know. I think he captured the esprit de corps of young Bobby here. Uh, yeah. What... The only thing missing in this scene was the Wolfman Jack on the radio. Yeah, that would have been something. Um, I'm glad you think these things I do aren't sad and worthless, Tut. That means something. No, I got you out there, you little young horn dogs. You're listening to the <laughs> rock and roll. You're chasing the spirits. You got the poontang on your mind, and the Wolfman Jack is here to deliver. Well, they should have had that on because he's hanging out in his car. He's hiding behind the – crouching down in the driver's seat. He's chugging beers and making mean faces at this elderly couple as they leave their home for the night. Come on, Move it, you old farts. Why does he really hate old people? And at least he's not running them down like he did earlier. <laughs> and the second they pull out of the driveway, Bobby's pulling into this chick's love garage. Oh, now we know why he hates them and wants them to go. Yeah, his girlfriend's in there. Uh, did I just say he pulled into her love garage? Oh, yeah. yeah he did. did. You totally did. Slugs. I guess I am kind of the look gym. at you with look at you with your fancy words like love garage. It's a love hole. I would you guys Sorry, say that's a little Homer Simpson reference there? No, I, I got I got the most of his like there. Would you guys say that I'm the Jim Morrison of cigar podcasts? You would never hear me say that, guy. Yax, will you say it? Well, you did have these skin tight leather pants. I'm wearing them right now. I can't get them off. You know what? Do you have a I'm belly gonna recant, full of boots? I'm going to recant that. I'm going to say you are the Jim Morrison of podcasts. You're the fucking lizard king of, of cigar podcasts. All right, all right, all right. And if you're not, I mean, at least you're the slug of co- po- cigar podcasts. Well, look who I'm competing against. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of easy to be the cool dude in Amongst these peers. Oh, uh, are you are you going to start a war with cigar podcasters? We like cigar podcasts. I don't know. I don't I really listen to many of them, but I, I'm sure they're nice guys. But Jim Morrison wouldn't say that. <laughs> slugs. People are slugs when you're a slug. All right. Uh, 
Let's stop whatever this is right in its slimy tracks, shall we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Moving on. His girlfriend flashes the porch light a few times to give Bobby the coast is clear signal, and he is inside and sweeping her off her feet seconds later. Let's go, Todd. As they swap spit, he carries her he carries her down to the basement. But once he sees her father's super awesome home bar. By the way, this teenager this teenage girl's father was ninety years old. Like these people walking out of the house were elderly, like Hey, hey, you know, Charlie Chapman fathered a child at seventy two. Just throwing that out there. Uh once he sees this awesome home bar down there he dumps her ass off on the counter and pours himself some jack daniels you want one he asks after he's already had two a style the funny thing is is she is good to go i mean she is like she's ready there is no way you can mistake these signs she is ready to go, and she then all, all of that puts the brakes on as soon as he sees She that. is revved up, and Jack all Daniel he is off. revved up to do is drink. He is just... Uh, dude, she's sitting there, and as he's, as he's drinking, she just keeps removing more clothing. You sure you don't want one? No, Bobby, I want something else. Okay. Uh, you know, Bobby. I think I, I think I just I think I uh, texted you at this scene. And I was like, "Is it sad that I just saw me in my 20s? Yeah. I, I told him I was like, "Dude, I would I would I the slugs would never get me because I would have never left that basement bar. It's a sweet ass bar." <laughs> Uh, no, Bobby, I don't want to drink. You know what I want, she says frustratingly as she removes her top. So Bobby begrudgingly puts down the whiskey and starts fooling around with her again. He takes her up to the bedroom where he starts... Slugging away at her? Plowing her? I guess would be an accurate. We see his naked ass just... Going to town. Plowing her. <laughs> Going to town. But before either of them can climax? I actually thought I heard her crying. And again, (laughs) I was like, this is like me in my 20s. I have to apologize for anybody I dated from 18 to 28. I have to apologize to anybody I dated uh, back in high school. I have to apologize to their father's liquor cabinets. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, you know what? I, I realize these actors were well of age in, in their early 20s, but it, it is always odd for me as I'm writing my notes to describe teenage sex scenes because I'm like, I don't want to like... You don't, don't want to be, be like Mike Brady in the station wagon like, looking over there. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at it. No. <laughs> but, I mean, where's, uh, the, where's the doctor with his Dreyfus mask? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh well, as they're doing it, Bobby runs out of stamina, so he reaches for the bottle of Jack Daniels on the nightstand. What's wrong, she asks, pissed off and completely unsatisfied. Nothing, babe. I just need to recharge my batteries, he says. She starts needling his nerves some more about his drinking problem. I, I said I just need a break, all right? He's, dude, he's got whiskey dick. He can't, he can't finish. Uh, so he rolls off the bed, but a slug immediately bites into his foot. Bobby screams out in pain, and when she 
freaks out and gets out of bed. She slips and falls as the bedroom floor is now completely covered in hundreds of black, slimy slugs. Those little bastards. They they quickly infest the girl, penetrating her in ways that Bobby's limp, flaccid whiskey dick could only dream about. Too too far? Too far. It was kind of accurate. Jim Morrison didn't know the meaning of too far. Uh, Dude, but he went out in the desert and took peyote and wrote like these epic poems. I'm writing about Bobby's whiskey dick banging some Spanish actress in a slug movie. I'm not the Jim Morrison podcast. I'm a joke. You're the slug king of podcasts. I'm the Sammy Hagar of podcasts. Hey, the Red Rocker had merit, man. Thanks, Todd. She's got slugs crawling out of her back, her cheeks. They're slamming out of her cheeks. There's a really cool effect where one is hanging out of her eye socket. My God, it looks good. It does. The practical effects here are on fire, man. This is 1988. This is when horror movies had, you had to step it up. Whether you were the big leagues, Halloween's, the Nightmare on Elm Street's, the Jason's, they were competing against each other to have the most gruesome practical effects. But if you're just some outside competitor, forget Hellraiser, forget Jason. I'm coming here with slugs. I better bring it. And this dude brings it. Here's how, I, here's how I know where y'all are getting to me because any other time I would have been like, oh heck no, I'm out of here. This nope, not doing this. And now I'm like, oh heck no, I'm out. Oh that looks yeah, that looks good. Yeah. Dude, that, that slug hanging out of her eye socket looked wonderful. But I will say this, uh, if if I were in young what what's his name's Bobby Bobby's shoes. I've just been on that bed with that Jack Daniels. Mm-mm, too far gone for me. Nope. Well, he's he's really drunk and he's a kid, so he's not as lackadaisical and he hasn't given up on everything in life like we have. He freaks the fuck out. He tries naked to reach across the room. First he tries to help her, but then uh, like a slug gets on his hand. He's like, no, I'm not doing that. Nope. Then he tries to reach across the room to a nearby window to sl- you know, but he slips because remember he's drunk. And, and the slugs are slimy. The slugs devour him. Sayonara, Bobby, and that girl we never learned her name. Dude, she's been in two scenes, and this whole scene, I they never say her name. I don't know what the hell her name is. Am I the only one who would love to see a Bobby drunk wife road trip movie? No, yes. no, I, I can't. Hooks up. He hooks up with drunk wife, and they just take off in his muscle car and get uh, into uh, adventure. They get into a ton of adventures. Bobby would have been unkind to drunk wife, and I couldn't. I couldn't handle that. You no, know, I think she would have ground him to a bloody stump. She. He can't keep up with drunk wife. If he can't satisfy a teenage girl, how the hell is he going to satisfy drunk wife? So it'd be kind of like uh, what's his name Stone's Natural Born Killers, except it's like Bobby and drunk wife just. Raising hell across the across the Midwest. I didn't see really raising hell. I just like really making a scene at a lot of small town local bars. Going into some bars and Barnes and Nobles, and you know just living it up. Well, they didn't have Barnes and Nobles back then. Walden Books. Walden Books. Walden Books. Some Hastings. Uh, but just like checking out hotels, going down to the lounge, and just like getting shit faced and like causing a scene, and and then they go up to the room, and she's just completely unhappy with. How things turn out, and ends and Bobby, up with a bartender later that night. She ends up with a bartender. He ends up running down some old dude in the parking lot because that's the only way he can get an erection. 
This could be a movie, guys. This could be the movie. Slugs 2. <laughs> Bobby's Boogaloo. Bobby's Boogaloo. <laughs> Drunk Wife's Revenge. That's, can, that's Slugs 3. Come on, let's let's milk this. Let's we can milk make it. it. I'm liking this. I, I see some potential. Uh, I'll write that script tomorrow as soon as I talk to that person about my drinking. <laughs> Give me a sec. Back at Ashton High, Professor John is pulling an all-nighter. These super slugs have him baffled. As he slices one of the suckers open and begins examining it under a microscope, was that a petri dish you put it on the axe? Yes, it is. I thought so. That's what scientists uh, use. Another slug slips out of the mason jar and attacks a poor gerbil. Oh man! Don has nearby, savagely killing it. It like ro- attaches itself to it, it rides it, and it just. I think it did unnatural mm-hmm. things to it. Oh, I think it was doing a lot of stuff to it, stuff that Bobby is incapable of doing to a woman. This. That's how disgusting. Well, that's got to suck for Bobby. Like, dude, you can't get it up. This slug is doing more to this gerbil than you did to that hot chick. Professor John has never seen any shit like this before. The next morning, Mike Brady joins Sheriff Reese and Popeye the Corner Man over (laughs) here. You got to go back and look at this guy. He looks just like Popeye. Uh, Over at the house where Bobby and What's-Her-Face got killed. They're just teenage skeletons now. Everything's gone. Like, blame this on raccoons, Sheriff Reese. Mike tells the sheriff, I know it sounds crazy, but I believe we're dealing with a type of mutant slug that eats meat here, Sheriff. And the sheriff laughs it off. Killer slugs, Mike? Ah, for Christ's sake. What'll be next? Demented crickets? Get the hell out of here. Leave the mystery solving to me. At least he's got a, a, a theory. Well, if his roving pack of vicious dogs, yeah, he, he has apparently been out looking for them. You think somebody would have seen these raccoons or dogs? I mean, they, they have to hide somewhere. Yeah, I hate the, I hate the sheriff. He's not fun. No, he does not know how to party. When he arrives back at his office, Don Palmer calls Mike and he tells him that his workers have found half-eaten chickens, rats, cats, and even a large dog down the sewers. And that's all Mike needs to hear before racing over there. Don sits Mike down. You're going to need to sit down for this. And he lays it out for him with this map of the sewer system. He discovered that in the Oh, my night- God. What? I'm sorry. I actually, uh, actually went back, found the scene, and it's... Popeye the corner man. It is. It's Popeye. He even has bulging forearms. Which you would need to carry those stretchers, I guess, but still. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Well, maybe, maybe the director just has a love of the sailor man. This and he's is like, what... I gotta incorporate that into slug. Yeah. It was just some Spanish actor that he got, and Here's what happens, boys, when you have to watch the movie three fucking times to do the show. You guys glimpse over it. I actually start seeing this crazy shit. There's a, there's, I didn't mention in the nightclub scene earlier, 
I saw Tuttle from 1980 with this giant crazy mustache. I can't, believe, like, I can't believe you actually like recognized me because I was like, there's only a few pictures of me with that mullet. And the fact that you picked that up, I was like, oh, my God, it's I me. See, you guys are screen grab. I'm like, uh, did you guys notice this? And you're like, uh, you have to watch this shit three or four times, which I'm pretty sure I'm the only asshole who's watched slugs three or four times. <laughs> but there's, yeah, there's Jason Tuttle circa 1988 with a mullet and a giant mustache hanging out at the nightclub. I'll put that on the uh, episode. Um. Well, Don lays it out for Mike. He's got this map of the sewer system. He discovered that in the 1950s and the 1960s, the entire side of town from Ron Bell, the evicted drunk guy, his property line to the sea limits, it was a toxic waste dump. And the bulldozers that had been clearing the land for the proposed shopping center must have unleashed all this madness. All that toxic waste gas, they released it. And it created whatever it is down in the sewers that's killing everybody. Don's on board. He believes Mike. Well, this is a fun scene. It's lunchtime over at the very fancy Trombonis Italian restaurant. Trombonis. Trombonis, which is surprisingly really big and fancy and packed for such a small little town like Ashton. It's the only it's the only high joint high class joint around. That's where the that's where the big wigs are gonna hang out. I guess. Drunk wife's husband Dave is making a toast and sealing the deal for the shopping center with the two Calgore executives who've flown in to finalize the the contracts. But his stomach cramps and his headache from eating that slug salad are still giving him problems. Tut, wasn't Slug Salad a Frank Zappa album? Uh yes. Yes it was. Or am I getting uh, so, that wrong? Yeah. No, uh, I think it was like uh, the 1979 experimental project that he did. It was crazy, but I... I have no clue. Like <laughs> most of Frank Zappa's stuff, I haven't listened to it, but it sounded like a Frank Zappa album. <laughs> that is the most accurate thing ever said. Uh, like most of Frank Zappa's stuff, it was crazy. I never listened to I like to, to it, sound smart I, like I listen to Frank Zappa, but I'll be honest, I've never heard any of his songs, but... It sounds like something he would do. Absolutely. Which, by the way, even guys who say they listen to Frank Zappa, they don't listen to that shit. They just they just say it to seem smart. Oh, I think so. Nobody's ever listened to a Frank Zappa album. Probably not. I don't know. I think my uncle Brent might. I got this. I got an uncle who might be down with some Frank Zappa, but um, anyway. Well, when Dave proposes the toast to all the great things yet to come, that was a bad call. Oh, no. He puts his glass of scotch to his lips and blood pours out of his mouth. Uh, Screams out in pain as his nose shoots out blood. And as he collapses to the ground, his, his eyeballs explode and dozens of worms begin to squirm out of his empty skull holes. I guess he should have passed on the veal. Uh, I should have had the lasagna. <laughs> I had the lasagna. Man, the practical gore effects are so good in this movie. They actually looks, are. It looks great. It looks so great. Mike gets summoned to uh, Health Inspector Mike Brady gets summoned to Tramboni's, and the sheriff wants him to shut the restaurant down. 
because it's obvious the worms in their food killed your buddy Dave. Despite well, my question the- is, is, I was like, I don't know how things are working in this town, but why does the sheriff need the health inspector to shut down a restaurant that a dude just had worms explode out of his eyeballs? I need you to sign off on this, Mike. <laughs> Despite the stereotypical Italian chef Ernesto proclaiming his innocence, my food uh, has no the worms. Uh, a book in the back, in the back of the room. We have no worms. But no, no worms. I got no wormsies. Dude, it's got so, a little so, so weird. It's so weird. A little Chef Boyardee hat on. Oh my god, it's ridiculous. It's like they transplanted the chef, and I know you haven't seen this, and you should see this. The chef from Caddyshack, and put him into this movie. It was the exact same character. Oh, dude, dog meat. First of all, assuming that this restaurant did have some worms in their in their in their food. That you would eat, you would have to eat them and chew them up, and then they would reformulate into full worms and Slugs. blow out your eye sockets. Slugs. Slugs. Well, Mike's a professional health inspector, after all, so I'm not going to make any decision here. I got, give me at least five minutes, Sheriff. Give me five minutes to do my damn job. So he does what any man in his position would do. He takes the worm specimens over to the high school to let Professor John take a look at them. Shouldn't he have a microscope and do some shit over at his place? Maybe, I don't know. Or maybe go to the college? I don't know how that works. I don't think they have a college time. Um, It's upstate New York. It's got to be close to Buffalo. Go to the University of Buffalo or something. Slugs. Where's where's the 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 Indian archaeologist at? Frank Redbear? Yeah, bring Frank Redbear onto this thing. Hey, that was only four years later. Yeah, I would I would have been down with Frank Redbear showing up at Trimbonis. Look, <laughs> to a white man to talk about slugs. Koyana Scott's going to take him to take him out to the sacred boulder to show him the pictographs of slugs. Koyana Scotty. Dr. Frank Redbear, what does that mean? Life out of balance. Is that what happened to Dave Watson? No, his wife fed him a slug salad and shit out slugs everywhere. Bullshit. What's really going on here? Bullshit. What is going on here? Uh, Well, Professor John, a.k.a. Austin Powers, takes a look at him under the microscope and says, ooh, these are skist." Schistosomes, blood flukes, a particularly virulent strain of parasite found in the bloodstreams of, wait for it, slugs. Yeah, baby. Virulent, baby. Slugs. What I couldn't figure out is at this point, like, he comes running in, look at these. Oh, by the way, the slug you left, it completely attacked the hamster and ate it. I think (laughs) your theory about slugs eating meat. Might yeah, be onto something. Yeah, he kind of forgot to mention that. Uh, I did a control group where one slug was left by itself. The other slug uh, was left with a <laughs> gerbil, and it devoured the gerbil. Therefore, my control experiment says your hypothesis is correct. Yeah, he doesn't go into any of that. He says a virulent, V-I-R-U-L-E-N-T strain of parasite. Can any of you boys tell me what virulent means? Uh, I think it means aggressive. Uh, it transfers aggressively. 
very. Why wouldn't that be an aggressive strain of parasite? Because virulent sounds way more scary. Yeah, it kind of does. Okay. Uh, dude. It's kind of like sand spider. Why say spider when you can say sand spider? Why do they call him that? That sounds scary. Uh, Tell me where you got these worms, Professor John demands. We got them from Dave Watson's head, Mike says. I love that line. Hmm. Oh, God, there's no end to this thing, the scientist deducts. First, they're carnivorous. There's no doubt about that. And their slime produces an irritant that kills after paralyzing their victim. And on top of that, slugs are hermaphrodites, which means they can fertilize their own eggs anywhere that's dark and moist. Like the uh, sewer, Don the sewer manager. Oh, I forget to say Don shows up here. Oh, like my sewers? Don asks, why yes, as a breeding ground, that'd be perfect, baby. All right, I realize I went Australian English, and uh, I, I think I did like some Tennessee stuff there, maybe. Uh, I apologize. I'm, I'm, again, if the doctor were here, he could handle all Professor John stuff. Um, are we? This is eighty-eight. I don't think you're allowed to call the slugs hermaphrodites anymore. I think that's a that's a no-no term. Is that? I thought that was like no, a that's medical a scientific term. term. Yeah. No, it's like calling them he-she's. No, that's, well, that's bad. Hermaphrodite, I think, is scientific. Yes. Oh, okay. It just means with possessing both organs. Okay, so we don't have to cancel Professor John. No, no, it'd be like uh, the, the scientific term homosexual. Yeah. You can say homosexual, but you just can't say homo. You definitely can't say homo. Yeah. I think I'm right here. I don't think you can say hermaphrodite. Wait, anymore. am I in trouble? I think so. No, no. Just to be safe. Yeah, boy, I, I have this prepared statement just for a moment like this. Just real quick. Let me just throw something. Uh, the Tuesday Night Cigar Club uh, acknowledges and... Um, strongly, virulently uh, opposes Jason Tuttle's statements. We distance ourselves from Jason Tuttle, and uh, we hope that he will learn from this moment. Why are you saying my full name? Why are you saying my full name in this? (laughs) And um, we will give him some time to reflect on his statements, and we will address this at a later time. I think I can say hermaphrodite. I think it is scientific. I don't think you. Can, I, I think you can call slugs hermaphrodites. I don't think you can call people that anymore. Or would you call them asexual? No, asexual is like you're not attracted to anything. Hermaphrodites, oh. you have both female and 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 male organs. Look, everything I learned about sex, I learned from a copy of 1986 Hustler magazine. I'm doing the best I can here. Just, just bear with me, for God's sake. Don't cancel me. Go, go, go for time. Go for time. <laughs> uh, well, just then we cut to Ashton Farms out on the city limits where an army of slugs has overtaken a barn full Excuse of... Excuse me? 
In yes. reproductive biology, a hermaphrodite is an organism that has complete or partial reproductive organs and produces gametes uh, normally associated with both male and female sexes. Scientific. Science. science. If you cancel me, you're canceling science. Isn't that what everyone's doing now? Yes, but we're not going to talk about that. <laughs> I thought that everybody didn't like science anymore. Oh, no, no. We love science. No, we do. TNCC is pro-science. Pro-science. Yes. Pro-science. Of course. All right, well, Tut, you're back in. Yeah, all right. You can't cancel Tut. You can't cancel Tut. And I'm ashamed that all you bastards have tried. Then you just ate my ass. And, I'm, and, and you know what? To make things easier moving forward, I'm going to edit out that little part, Yak Boy, where you gave that half-ass apology for Tut's behavior. <laughs> Our audience will never even hear that. Yeah. No, you're right. Our audience will not hear that. Slugs. Slugs. <laughs> Uh, All right, I'm about to have to trash this thing. Okay, uh, well, that would down. be that would be a very good time then to talk about price point. Uh, did you notice any uh, difference in strengths, flavors, anything in that final third? No, not really. It uh, it got to that plateau, stayed there, and I'm comfortable with that. I, I thought that it was a nice, uh, you know, it didn't transition flavors, but it transitioned strength and fullness. So I'm I'm good with that. It really did. Uh, it was pleasant right from the start. It was pleasant at the end. I mean, what more do you want in a cigar? And honestly, <coughs> excuse me. I'm in the final third. Uh, it's getting a little warm on my hands, so I probably am not far behind you. Uh, Cedar leather have kind of balanced out, yin and yanging in that final third. Earthiness has kind of dissipated. I loved how it showed up in the second, in the middle half. Uh, and now it's just that cedar and leather that we started with. Pepper on the nose has been consistent. Like you said, fluctuating strength from there to really there to still there. Um, it kind of played like a really classic Tatuaje cigar. Um, and it's I, and interesting I, that you say that because, in full disclosure, I am not a Tatuaje fan. Uh, and it's not that I think that they're bad cigars. I just think that they're out of my flavor profile. Uh, they normally have been. Uh, like when we had Pete on the show, he was talking about that cigar. I can't remember the name of it right off Le, the hand. Leverite. The Leverite. Verite. Verite, yeah. And he was like, this is the most traditional cigar that he's ever produced. It's not like any of the other Tatuai uh, cigars. And I was like floored because I actually liked it, and it was the first Tatuai that I really liked. This is the second. I really I really like this cigar. Uh, it is, it's not quite that uh, Nicaraguan mineral, earth, volcanic ash that I love. No, it's funny because for a Nicaraguan for a Nicaraguan puro, I got none of the the Nicaraguan uh, mineral, those things I, I associate with some of my favorite Nicaraguan puros. That wasn't there. Man, it was just yeah. spice, spice, leather, cedar, a little bit of earth, and just a, kind of a fluctuating experience throughout. I man, I dug this cigar a lot. I really did. I, I really appreciate this cigar. Price point, yak boy. Hmm. Uh, given everything, given what you said about its history. Now, granted, it started out as his personal cigar. Pete spent some time down in Cuba, and there was a man who would, every morning when uh, Pete was down there, 
he would kind of get up in the morning and go down for a little walk. And there was an old man on a bicycle who would ride by and give Pete one of his hand-rolled cigars. This is before Pete was Pete Johnson of Tatuaje. And he would give him a really rough kind of farm-rolled cigar out of his shirt pocket. And it wasn't the prettiest cigar. It wasn't the best cigar. But Pete really, over the over the time he was in Cuba, really started to like what this guy did. And he was told that, you know, these rollers, they keep these private blends that they do just for themselves. And it's kind of an honor when one hands them to you. So he's like, as a young blender, he's like, I'm going to make something that kind of reminds me of what this guy handed that me. Experience. That experience. My own personal blend. Then he... Start like putting that. it out there in very limited quantities. Like I said, these really cool ceramic jars, those went for high dollars. But now this is a, a regular release. You can get these. We got these from Famous Smoke Shop. Uh, you can get these highly available, uh, the Tatuaje Black Label. Keeping all that in mind, Yak Boy. And it was a, it, it lasted a, a good while. It was a, it was a slow-burning smoke. Uh Corona Gorda lasted a long while. Solid flavors, good construction. Yak boy. Um, given, given, like you said, the history and everything, and now uh, I could be wildly off. I'm gonna go 950. Okay. Tut. I'm going. Oh man, I want to put this around 1175. The only reason I go a little higher is because that cute little cat, that little chocolate chip cap on it was really pretty, and the wrapper was just gorgeous. The presentation was really nice. Um, well, you're both wrong, but Yak Boy would win. $10. Oh. It's a good price. Really good price. Yeah. And most hats are. I mean, there's some, there, there's some uh, that, that kind of go much higher. Uh, we obviously had a pay to get the the verite because it was 2013 i had to go back and really uh pay for those and the monster series you're you're paying just because they're so limited yeah um, in the packaging but uh yeah 10 bucks and remember folks when purchasing some fine tatuaje premium cigars from famoussmokeshop.com use your new favorite promo code tncc20 at checkout where it will knock 20 dollars off your purchase of 100 dollars or more that's 20%. And that's really cool. And Cigar Monster, Famous's uh, discount site, often has five packs of Tatuaje cigars, so you can sample them on sale, free shipping, uh, and just get that total above 100 bucks, and you can throw on TNCC20 and use it there. Yeah, it's a good price. It's a really good price. It is, and if you want to learn more about uh, Pete Johnson, go to our uh, interview with Senior Pete Johnson. <laughs> Uh, very fun it's interview. He did the documentary Hand Rolled. It's one of my, it's one and, of my uh, fa- it's nice talk. It's one of my favorite interviews we've done on the show. Um, I love talking to Pete. Uh, I wanted to talk to him a lot about his background as a musician. We we got into a bunch of non uh, cigar stuff, which uh, I always like talking about. And he was really cool, and we had a really good time talking with Pete. So uh, yeah, definitely go check that out and check out the Tatuaje Black. It's a good. It, it's a really good cigar. Okay. Well, we all enjoyed the Tatuaje Black. I have lit up a uh, Southern Draw, Quick Draw, Connecticut. Oh, okay. That'd be a, kind of a smooth, mellow follow-up cigar. 
Okay. What are you lighting up, Tut? I am going with a, a new find of mine uh, called the Valakari Mark 11. The Valakari what? Valakari Mark 11. Mark 11. And this is something you discovered at your local tobacconist? At uh, Smoker's Abbey in Austin, Texas. Uh, yeah, that's kind of an you interesting me little deal. Hey, you really like this uh, Valakari blend. San Andreas wrapper with a whole bunch of uh, Nicaraguan goodness, uh, binder and filler. Uh, the filler contains Ometepe, uh, uh, Esteli Lajero. I mean, all my good, and the, even the Jalapa. I mean, it's it's nice. Uh, but then with that, uh, I think it's got a double uh, double San Andreas wrapper, so it, it's balanced, kind of kind of kind of nifty. Decent price point. Yeah, it's about uh, eight twenty five from. Uh, from the humidor. Okay. All right. Well, just then, after leaving the uh, scene over at the high school science uh, laboratory, <laughs> we cut to Ashton Farms out on the outside. I'm sorry. I, I, I hate to interrupt right quick, but yeah. it's one thing that I like about is that I was – I mentioned the going to the to the uh, university professor because that seems to like if you need science you go to the university. Yeah. But then I like the fact that this is the high school guy. This is probably the most excitement that he's gotten, you know, all year. He hates his students. He hates grading his stupid science papers. Now he's got a mystery. It's kind of like it reminds me of a uh, of Gremlins where that was also a high school teacher that the kid brought the little mogwai to. But then I got to thinking about it. I was like, well, that was actually a high school student going to his high school professor. To him, that guy knows all the science. This guy is like the health inspector. He should know <laughs> that maybe there's better options. No, he should have his own laboratory and do his own testing. Like, what does he do? Like, like if a restaurant, like if the local Burger King has some E. coli, does he take that to the high school science teacher to? No, you ship that upstate. You give that to the University of Texas or whatever and let them do it. They come back at you. Uh, yeah, I, I do like that because, uh, I, God, I wish the doctor was here tonight. We actually uh, were going to write a creature feature, um, not necessarily to film the entire film, but we had an idea to film a trailer for the ultimate creature feature. Yeah. Uh, copyright 2020 Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Uh, it was called Pigeons 2, White Rain, and um, don't even think about using that. Copyright, 2020, two cents. No, I just stuck the wrong end of the cigar in my mouth. That tracks. Um, but yeah, there was no Pigeons 1 movie, but we just thought Pigeons 2, White Rain sounded much better. The White Rain being the toxic waste Boop. shooting out of their asses. But... Uh, the doctor was going to play the college university local junior college doctor who they bring these pigeons into to to get some results from. My uh, God. His lab assistant was going to be played by Married with Children's David Faustino. Uh, we had the whole thing mapped out. Uh, nice. It was, was going to be basically what it was. Um, some There was a local minor league farm baseball team in town. And the guys were shooting steroids, and they dumped their dirty syringes. This was back in the Barry Bonds 
era when we had this idea and the pigeons uh, licked the, the syringes that the, the baseball players ditched. So they became these huge steroid infested pigeons. And, uh, oh man, it was so good. But, but to your point, Todd, it was the local, you know, scholarly professor who found out what was going on and, um, uh, God, that would have been a great trailer. And we still might do that someday. So don't even please, think about copying us. Please tell me you cast Fritz as the baseball coach. Uh, no, but he did have a role. I don't want to give away what it was, but, uh. Let's just say he was wearing a cheerleader varsity jacket. <laughs> and nothing nice. else. And he drove they a They say equal time, my friends. Equal time. And he drove a muscle car. Um, well, just then, we cut to Ashton Farms out on the city limits, where an army of slugs has overtaken a barn full of lettuce. I bet that's where... Drunk wife bought her lettuce from. She was just trying to be organic and buying local. And yeah, buying local. Gotcha. That's here's where it got her. Dead husband. Uh, and as we arrive, the poor old lettuce farmer's chest. He's in the barn with his lettuce. He's been devoured by slugs, and his chest explodes in a fountain of blood. Oh my God! These little fuckers are relentless. Slugs. Slugs. The practical effect team is relentless. Yeah, they're, they're having fun. You know who else is relentless, fellas? Who's that? Yeah. That's right, Tut. Our good friends over at Drew Estate. They're relentless in that nobody in the industry pumps out innovative new products like they do. And there's no better example of that than the Pappy Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented Cigar. The Pappy Van Winkle Family Reserve Barrel Fermented is a long filler premium cigar rolled in limited quantities at La Gran Fabrica Drew Estate in Esteli, Nicaragua. Deep barrel fermentation is the key process that makes this expression vastly different from anything else on the market. Hand-selected leaves from Kentucky are packed into small torquettes or bundles of tobacco, for those of you who don't know what a torquette is, which are then loaded strategically into oak bourbon barrels. Water is then added while mince pressure is applied to the torquettes via railroad jacks. Huge fucking railroad jacks. Not Wolfgang jacks like you were talking about earlier. Not little puny car jacks. Not jumping jacks. Not Applejack cereal. Not Jack Tripper from Three's Company. Railroad jacks. Tracks. Tracks. Jacks. (laughs) The tobacco's removed two, three times per year. Shake it out by some men that we've seen in action. These are real men, not like men, us. Men is the right word. Yeah, these not like us, putzes. These guys are real men that shake this shit out, pack it back in there. I'd give two pulls on that railroad jack, and I'd be like, ah, I'm done. Is this yeah. Mark Ryan's kicking you to the curb before you know it. The total process of fermentation takes 12 to 18 months. Do you realize how many hermaphroditic slugs could reproduce in 12 to 18 months? My God, the amount of slugs is unimaginable. It's unimaginable, Todd. But these guys have that patience to give this tobacco the time it needs, to give it a truly unique flavor profile and aroma. 
The Pepe Van Winkle's Family Reserve Barrel Fermented is now available at brick-and-mortar Drew Diplomat retailers everywhere. And if you'd like to smoke the unique pig-sized Vitola of the Pappy, head over to Pappyco, P-A-P-P-Y-C-O.com, as that's the only place you'll find it. And while you're there, you get some really cool Pappy, Pappy Van Winkle shirts, hats, the Pappy Van Winkle sisters have really blown up this site. It's got some really cool stuff. If you're a golfer, my God, golf shirts, golfs, everything. Like, be a badass out on the golf course and wear your Pappy. Represent. I'm sorry. I kind of zoned out when you mentioned the Pappy twins. They are awesome, and they were very nice to us. They were very, very nice to us. And... um it's really cool seeing, you know, chicks our age embrace their family's history and kind of take it to the new, you know, the bourbon, bourbon history is, is, is just so kind of entrenched in that lore and that world. And to have kind of uh, these, the, the Pappy twins kind of bring it out, not only into cigar culture, which is, you know, I'm assuming mainly their idea, but also, you know, kind of branch it out like, you know what, this we have a brand here that means something and let's share it and let's advertise it and let's do it. And like they're just they're just kind of living the dream and they're really cool chicks on top of that. Really cool ladies on top of that. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, go to pappygo.com and buy a bunch of shit. Do it and tell them the TNCC sent you. And then if they mention the restraining order, that is fake news. She's like, oh, God, the Jim Morrison of Cigar Podcasting sent you over here? Well, okay. Let's take 10% off that (laughs) order. All right, all right, all right. All right. Well, Mike Brady's secretary, he gets back to his office. She tells him that his wife, Kim, has been trying like hell to get a hold of him. I love this kind of stuff from a, just a, a, it's a weird sidetrack, but I love like when a guy goes into his office, like your wife's been trying to get a hold of you for no cell phones, no cell phones, yeah. 1988. Like you walk in your, like, you know, your wife's been trying to get a hold of you for three hours. Oh dude, no cell phones. I love that when that was a thing. Not that I don't like being able to be tracked down by my wife. Yeah, 88. I'm not even sure beepers were that well widespread yet. No, only doctors, I think, and drug dealers yeah. at that point. Doctors I, and drug dealers. I got my first beeper in 94. I had it for a couple of years. But even then, I was getting kind of sideways stares when I was wearing that thing. I remember um, a high school friend of mine had a beeper, and uh, he was not a drug dealer, but my mom swore up and down. She did not like me hanging out with that drug dealer. No, like that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a lot of, but you know what? I was a mover and shaker. I need to, I need to have that. Um, need to carry it around just in case that nine one one scrolled across the screen. Got that often, mainly from my my mom. I had to get home for something. <laughs> had to get home for dinner. Um, well, he races his station wagon home. And when he gets there, a distraught Kim, she can barely talk. She's so upset. She points to the kitchen where slug after slug are oozing out of the kitchen faucet. Mike starts bashing the little monsters with a frying pan. 
That's why I don't understand the guy with the when it was in his glove. He did, he was smashing it right and left. These dude, he's killing these things right and left with the frying pan in the sink. Uh, but that's just a temporary solution, the frying pan. Am I right, Yax? Very true. My God, you need a frying pan the size of, size of Pittsburgh to kill all these things. Why, they, why couldn't they just toss some salt on it? They're not snails. Salt well, is the enemy of salt snails. Kill slugs as well, but apparently these mutated slugs are... Oh, they're mutated. Salt. Forgot it. Forgot that. Yeah, toxic waste, Tut. Keep up. Okay, all right. Yeah. Um, Mike calls Sheriff Reese's office and tells him Excuse to get me, his... Excuse me, I gotta, I gotta text my my wife to clean up the salt that I put out in front of the garage. You're terrified of snails or slugs now, aren't you? Well, I told you my Star Trek story before. That tracks. Mike, calls I wake Sh- up. Cody's in there with the Ricardo Monteblon wig and the star and the con get up. He's got the con little, mullet. Yeah, with the little snails in a jar. Oh, fuck that. No. Uh, dude, Mike. At this point, he's not playing nice anymore. He calls Sheriff Reese's office, tells him, "Get your fat ass over to Frank Phillips' office immediately and meet me there." That's a good way to get someone to persuasively yeah, tell someone to do something. How to make friends and uh, influence people. Get your fat ass over there. And the guy's not even fat. Kim tells Mike she feels like she's losing her mind with all these slugs. But he tells her, hey, just stay put here where the slugs are and stay away from them. I'll be back sometime. That's not. I'll be fine. That's not comforting, is it, Tut? No, uh, and and actually, I'm like, if your theory is that there's like toxic waste dump over here in these neighborhoods that have caused these slugs to mutate, and the mutate is infesting these neighborhoods and spreading throughout the town, hey, honey, I'm going to need you to go two towns over for a little bit, stay the night over there for a while. He doesn't say that. He says, stay put in the house where you're freaking out and losing your mind. Where Get I in just your killed car three, and drive three giant slugs. Any direction but here. Yeah, he doesn't say that. Um, Mike Brady then races over to Frank Phillips' office over at the Ashton Water Supply. He demands that the no nonsense Phillips shuts off the water to the south end of town right away. But Phillips ain't playing ball at all. At all. This this Phillips dude is where the bad dialogue dubbing is really obvious. Every time he, first of all, he looks kind of like a poor man's Leslie Nielsen. Oh, and it sounds like him too. But then when he opens his voice, it's this clearly dubbed thing: mutated slugs, contaminated water system. What the hell are you talking about? There's no time to argue. Mike pleads. Who's arguing? I'm saying that you're nuts. Phillips kicks Brady's ass out of his office without authorization from the mayor. He ain't doing jack shit, but continue eating his sandwich. Once Mike's gone, mutated slugs, that's one crazy asshole. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. But behind Phillips in his private bathroom, we see the toilet seat shaking. I'm guessing there's some slugs coming his way. He's going he's gonna to eat those words. No. His words are going to eat him. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. 
Mike Brady then squeals his station wagon. Every time I type that sentence, I laughed out loud. Like, <laughs> dude, you have to give him a station wagon and call him Mike Brady. Uh, he squeals it over to the mayor's office. The mayor is trying to seal the shopping center deal. Now that Dave died during the signing of the contracts, the mayor is taking over with the Calgore Corporation folks over some drinks in his office. The Calgore lady just can't get over seeing a dozen worms shooting out of Dave Watson's face. But her business partner tells her to get over it already. Have another drink. Have another cocktail. Let's sign the damn contracts. But just then, Mike barges in the office and tells the mayor they have a potential disaster on their hands. Potential disaster, the Calgore mayor, the, the woman says? Okay. She, dude, what they saw in Tramboni's restaurant was one thing. Now this guy, the health inspector, barges in and says, we've got something crazy's going on here. Mike tells the mayor his theory on the slugs overtaking the city, and the mayor tries to calm him down. Sure, Mike, we'll do whatever you say. Don't pray, don't patronize me. I'm not insane. No, nobody said you were insane, the mayor says. Well, giving his secretary the he's insane call the sheriff look. <laughs> Put down that phone, insane Mike Brady barks at the secretary. Then Brady makes his way over to the Calgore executives and tells them that the town was built on a toxic waste dump. And as a result, they now have a mutant strain of killer slug that's killing everybody. You mean to tell me that if I turn on the water tap, a killer slug is going to fly out and kill me, the cargo rep says? Who looks... Dude, that guy looked just like the dad from Happy Days, didn't he? I thought so, too. From the from the, from the the straight-up profile, I thought it was Howard from Happy Days. I thought it was the dad from Happy Days. So the mayor takes them all to his private bathroom, which is hidden behind a Batman bookcase. Dude, he pushes on this bookcase, and it opens up awesome. to this private what the fuck mayor has that i don't why know don't... but i want that job apparently that mayor does and it makes why no sense yak boy why don't i have that bathroom here in the corner of no hope nope no bathroom nothing uh, we'll add that on later so the mayor takes them in there, they turn on the sink, and guess what? No slugs come out of the sink. So they sign the papers. You people are unbelievable, Mike size, as he hightails it out of there. God, I ate one of those. Dude, the water supply guy had a personal bathroom. This guy has a hidden bathroom. That's the sign of success. That's baller as shit. Personal bathroom. I won't be happy till I have one. <laughs> Oh, and speaking of Mr. Phillips over at the water supply department, he isn't going to be any use to Mike or anybody else because when his secretary returns from her lunch break, she finds him in the bathroom covered with slugs. He's he's toast. I'm going to quickly refill. uh, I'm going to switch to the – I did the Coop DNR. I'm going to switch to the Coop uh, F5 IPA, something way more – in my wheelhouse. Uh, Tut? Mm-hmm. What are you smoking, Yax? Did you fire up a second cigar? I did just the Drew Estate, the Acid, the Cubarte. Oh! Nice choice. I had my favorite Acid, by the way. Okay. 
I kind of said it like that Austin Powers song. My favorite acid, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, those are good, huh? Yes, very. It's a very, had, it's a very subtle acid experience. I hadn't. I this first one I had. I'd been sitting on them, and I'm like, you know what? Just need to go ahead and do it. Uh, okay. Well, I'm going to check back with you on the, later. Let's give the acid a little bit of love. Um, back at the high school, Professor John is showing Mike what he's concocted to deal with their slug problem. It's a lithium-based arsenic solution that's highly combustible when it comes in contact with moisture. Tut, does that track with what you've recently learned in your one science class? Oh, man, to be honest, I think I need to take Biology 102. To, to get up to this level. Okay. Well, from what I get, this shit can wipe out these slimy fuckers. I, yeah. Is that scientific talk? I think so, yes. Can we use this stuff in the sewers without blowing up the whole town? Mike asked the scientist. Well, I certainly hope so. Well, it's worth a try then, Mike says. He tells the professor to make a bunch of this shit and meet him down at the sanitation department in three hours. Mike heads over to Don Palmer's house where he's playing football in the front yard with his sons. And he tells him, Uh-oh. I'm going to need your help going down the sewers to kill the slugs. Uh-oh. Let me get this straight, the sanitation department manager says. You want to take something that explodes when it comes in contact with water down into my <laughs> sewer? Down into my sewers? Yes, that's right, Mike says. Let's get started, partner. <laughs> Man, I like his loyalty. I like his gumption. You guys could learn something. That's a friend. Ride or die. That is a friend. Well, you got part of that, right? Well, I still have a problem. If you go back to the beginning, he was down there. He lost his giant metal hook to something. He ran away and forgot about it. He could have called the State Department and then just you know, they would have came hot in dogs. Here. We're throwing the football out in the front yard, but I'm going to ignore the fact that I lost a giant metal hook. Something, Something in the pulled it store. away from me. Yeah, and that's why he agrees to go with Mike and deal with this shit. He's a true well, friend. They should have brought in the State Department, the Health Department, the State Sewer guys. You're going to call – is there a State Sewer guy? Like <laughs> – you hey. know there is. You know hey. there is. I know you don't. In a I, Matt A. Cade production, there would definitely be a state sewer guy. I never thought I would have to make this call, but here we are. My metal hook got sucked in at old Fortune Florence's uh, house. I need the big boys here. Bring in the clinger. Get me Dig Dug. Don't bring Dig Dug into this. Don has a wife and kids too, he says. I don't want them to die like the others have, so I got no choice. I got to ride with you on this one, Mike. I love that loyalty from... Dude, they're not even real friends. At the nightclub, at the beginning of the film, Don asked Mike and Kim to stick around so he could buy Mike a drink, and Mike... Said no. I got to get out of here. That makes a douche, and we'll learn that in a little bit. That's stupid. Anytime 
you're at a club and a friend shows up and's like, I want to buy you drinks. All right. Mike's not Mike's not really a friend. Let's sit down. You're gonna regret that statement. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> uh, I thought we were leaving. Why are we going back, Matt? Uh, that dude just said he's buying me drinks. Get ready. Uh, Don tells his wife, they're, she's like, are you going to be here for dinner? I don't do a French accent. She's like, are you going to be uh, here for dinner with the boys? And he says, no, I'm going to go kill some manny and slugs. But when I get back, we can get naked and that crazy. And the French woman says, that'll be fine. That was weird. It was weird that he was like 20 years younger than her, right? What's weird about that? He found himself a sugar mama, and there you go. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You don't know what the sex was like between them. It could have been dynamite. Well, when he said that, when he said that, like, I'm going to go kill some killer slugs and then we're going to go back and get naked and crazy. And she was like, all right. I was like, okay, it must be. Wee wee. Wee wee. We now get treated to a sweet ass montage of Don and Mike suiting up in their hazmat sewer suits as Professor John mixes up a big barrel of the arsenic solution by pouring. Oh, my God, dude. The world's most enormous graduated cylinders of chemicals into a big ass drum. I had to ask my nerd wife. I was like, I sent her a screenshot of that cylinder. I was like, is that an Erlenmeyer flask? She's like, I actually got it from the text. Her sigh of disappointment in me. <laughs> She's the brains in the operation. She's like, uh, that's a graduated cylinder. But dude, it was like this big. And for some reason, this this little high school has all the chemicals he needs to kill all these slugs. I was going to say, this is like the most well-equipped high school science lab I've ever seen. He's over there with microscopes, running things. Not with the microscopes, but my God, he fills a whole barrel full of this slug-killing serum with these giant... First of all, why the hell does a high school biology class need a graduated cylinder three feet high? Oh, they need it. Well, also, how do they have that much lithium and, and arsenic to mix together? Here's a solution. If you slugs. mix these two chemicals slugs. together, they, they, they just destroy. Well, of course, slugs. slugs. <laughs> but still, it, it begs the question. I mean, if he was going into like some giant warehouse of chemicals to yeah. mix a barrel of this stuff. Well, have I mentioned yet, boys, that it's Halloween? Yes, this is a Halloween film. Could not tell it from anything else other than in the film. Didn't see that coming. It sure as shit is. It's October 31st in Ashton, so of course the local high school kids are gathering out in the field to party and dance their collective asses off. Like they literally, I guess Texas is a lot cooler in New York, because in New York the kids just go out in the field and dance like idiots. Because Bobby wasn't there to show him how cool kids act. No, that's called a pipeline party. A pipeline party? Pipeline party. So back in the woods. Way, way, way back in the woods. So you had like a 
you know, the <laughs> gas pipeline company or something would cut these big long lines through the forest and you would take your four wheels and your four wheel drives and you would drive down these pipeline runs and find a clear spot way back in the woods where the sheriff ain't going to bug you and the police ain't going to bug you. And then you get a whole bunch of kegs and you get a whole bunch of trash cans and you mix your trash can punches and your kegs out there and you have a party. Yeah, we called them land parties. Land parties. Pipeline and we, runs. And we, we literally just drove a mile out of town and just in an empty field and just drank. Well, see, we had it to wasn't get a little sexy. in arms. It wasn't as sexy as what you described, Todd, but I think all kids know how to just go to somewhere where there's no cops and drink booze. There you go. They're going to dance their ass off. But we sure as hell didn't do this. What was that dancing? Slugs. Slugs. Um, Maybe that's why I had such a hard time in high school. I was totally doing that on the pipeline runs. You're like, guys, listen. The company's barreling these pipeline lines in here. This is the, We are the only kids on earth that had this avenue to party. Meanwhile, every other kid in America is partying the goddamn same way. Just, yeah. It should be mentioned that the only thing that signifies Halloween in this movie is that there's one lone jack-o'-lantern at the land party. They just stuck a pumpkin in the middle of the field. It's Halloween now. It's Halloween. But hey, this is our Halloween episode, boys. It tracks. Uh, Nobody's wearing costumes. Nobody's talking about Halloween. That's pretty much it. Uh, That chick from the diner is still blaming the goddamn goat killer for Bobby and Donna's death. Hey, now we know her name. The chick that died with Bobby is Donna. That was her name. <laughs> Not that it matters. And everything else that's going around town, it's the goat man, I tell you. It's the goat man. But the drunk dude she's hanging out with, tell her, just forget about the goddamn goat killer. Forget about dead Bobby. Drink another wine cooler, you dumb bitch. <laughs> Bartles and James, baby. <laughs> hey. That's it great. was it was the time. Were you guys Balls and James or Seagram's boys? Man, it was anything the girls wanted. We were all whatever kind of beer that we had, but if the girls wanted Seagram's, we got Seagram's. If the girls wanted Bartles and James... Yeah, it was kind of whatever the hell you get your hands on. Yeah. Boone's Farms. Boone's Farm. Get some Strawberry Hill going. That worked, too. Um, for what I hear, I, I didn't uh, provide alcohol to minors, so I get a little bit of Thunderbird if you had it. It's not bad. That was no, there was some Mad oh, Dog. Man. The doctor and I used to sneak a bottle of Thunderbird up to his uh, parent, his bedroom, and we lived with his parents in college. Dude, we'd put it in our our waistband. Each had a bottle of Thunderbird, <laughs> yeah. and we'd suck in our. We'd walk in to his house, say hi to his parents with his bottle of Thunderbird in our in our waistband. We'd go up there, oh, just fucking drink that shit, um, which was just pure horse piss. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, Not good. No, it wasn't. It was like with the people. Not that, good. The, the people that made Did the them, job. The people that made, at least the people that made Strawberry Hill made something that chicks would drink. The people that made Thunderbird or another one of our favorites, Richard's Red Wine, 
I, I would like to talk to the master uh, blenders or the master uh, distillers from Thunder. Did you ever think about making a drink that was actually like you didn't have to hold your nose when you fucking drink it? Like We know that master blender is going to look like that Popeye corner out there. Error. It totally would. It totally would. Well, as Mike and Don descend down the sewer after giving Professor John his marching orders as far as what manhole cover in town to pour the poison down into when he gets their signal, a teenage girl named Pam is being sexually assaulted by a guy in a Halloween mask back at the land party. And when she runs off, she has no choice but to jump down into a sewer outlet in an effort to hide from her attacker. But of course, she was going to get it bad on ground. She gets it much worse down there. She's immediately consumed by mutant slugs. I thought this whole brief storyline about the kids out in the field and stuff was half-baked. Unnecessary. And unnecessary at best. Like, it was just, let's throw in a Halloween side thing. It made no sense. Yeah, it really, there wasn't, it wasn't fleshed out at all, so it really didn't make any sense into the timeline. So just scrap it. Yeah, no, it, it, I guess to make the running time, maybe they, they kind of did this, but it, it made no bringing these kids into it and and especially the rape thing. It was stupid. Um, as Mike and Don are trying to navigate their way to the hub of slug activity in the sewers. Again, I have to say this setting looks phenomenal. Even if the sewer system starts to resemble some old like underground caverns as opposed to a man-made series of tunnels. Dude, at some point, it looks like they're like in like stalactites and like, <laughs> but it still looks amazing. Professor John reaches his destination. I'm at the manhole, baby. I'll open it up right now. But the penny nerd can't pry the damn manhole cover off as he tries fruitlessly. <laughs> he's got this pickaxe and he's trying to get the manhole cover off. He just can't do it. Uh, and as he tries, Sheriff Reese shows up with that usual disapproving scowl. Uh, come on, Sheriff. It's becoming clear and clear that Mike and Don don't know what the fuck they're doing down the sewers. They're getting lost. Don's maps are antiquated at best. They're running into like, oh, the maps don't say there's a brick wall here. Like They don't know what the hell they're doing. Mike tosses a big hefty bag full of raw meat into the water to distract the slugs so they can escape. But when Don pries a sewer panel loose, this is how we'll get to safety, he says. Water bursts through it instead. This is the guy who's supposed to be an expert on the sewers. Sending poor sanitation manager Don straight into the bubbling mass of shit water and bloodthirsty slugs. Mike climbs above him on a sewer pipe and wholehearted attempt to save his kind of friend, but it's of no use. Don is slug food. But dude, that scene of Don down in that cauldron of water and Mike on the pipeline above, that's kind of good production. I mean, that's, it looks good. Well, the fact that they're using miniatures. I don't think they were. I think they actually built this set and made this kind of sewer kind of uh, epicenter there with the bubbling water and stuff. Oh, I no. Think- I mean, but when he they show like him in the water, that's like a miniature. 
Go back oh. and look at it. Oh, you mean when they show him like fall down into the water? Right. Yeah, when they show his body as the slugs pick apart at him and it goes down in the water. Yeah, I think that is like a doll. Yes. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree there. But the actual bubbling of the water and Mike re- or Don reaching up and Mike climbing on that pipe above him trying to save his friend. I mean, that shit looks good. It looks really good. It does, and that's why I said I was surprised about this movie. I mean, it had it had production value. It does. It's an impressive action set piece, and we don't see shit like that in modern independent horror films at all. No. That no. that was one of the really cool things about the late '80s. They they had to step it up, and I man, I appreciate it. Don Palmer, now that he's rest in peace, was a damn fine public servant. I wanted to see him go home and do crazy sex stuff with his much older French wife, but we'll never get I, to see that. Exactly. I was I was disappointed he wasn't going to get to go home and get naked with his wife. Not that she was much to look at, but still. <laughs> they seem to like each other, and that's all that matters. As Don's deflated, slug-infested face rises up from the bubbling sewer water below, Mike, oh, hey, here's a ladder that will get me to save... Where was that? He slugs. <laughs> he climbs the ladder and gets the hell out of there. Uh, Mike arises at the surface where Professor John is waiting with a truckload of slug-destroying serum, and he orders the nerd to put the hose down in there and kill them all. Light put it in up. the mantle. Do it now, he screams. Big-ass titties. Click, click. And to his credit, Sheriff Reese just stands there. He doesn't get in the way. And they do what they do. Fire races through the Ashton sewer system, burning all the slugs and also exploding four businesses, by my count, shooting giant balls of flames out of every manhole in town, blowing up cars. So many cars I lost count. And even raining fire down on the dancing teenagers out in the field. There's a manhole out the cornfield they're partying at. It blows up out there and kills a couple kids. So much like we saw with Mike Brody in Jaws 3D back on episode 119, here Mike Brady causes way more (laughs) destruction and injuries than the slugs ever did. Well, sometimes the solution is worse than the problem. Kill them with fire. It's the only way to be sure. I'm sorry about your friend, Brady. Sheriff Reese says in a rare moment of not being a total dickhead. Thanks, you, Sheriff. You, Sheriff, you can go to hell. Mike shoots back. Mike, Don knew the chances, Professor John says. I could have kept him out of this, Mike weeps. No, I don't think you could. He knew that, says the Spanish Englishman who had never met Don before this night. <laughs> he didn't know this guy at all. And he's like, it's, a, it's uh, a small town. It's a small town. They ran in, they they didn't show it, but they ran into each other at Trombolis. I'm sure. No, I'm sure Don's kids were also uh, Professor John's students. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, that's a small comfort to Mike, but he'll take it as he has a sexy wife to get home to, unlike Don. But turns out he doesn't need to go home to get some action. As Kim suddenly arrives on the scene and they start tongue kissing just as the fire trucks and paramedics all arrive to try and sort out this gigantic mess that he created to a very inappropriate, cheesy, and cheerful, easy listening music score. Oh my God, the music here was so inappropriate. It was terrible. Cue the music. 
But then the music takes a sinister turn. Yeah, the music takes a sinister turn as we cut to a lone slug still alive as it slithers on a sewer grate. Not to mention all the very much alive slugs still hanging out at Mike's house and everywhere else in town. They only killed the sewer slugs. There's still a million of them around. The asexually procreating, and there you go. The end. Question. By the way, had that been an American director, Mike Brady would have punched out the sheriff there at the end. I'm sorry about your friend. Fuck you. Boom. Yeah. By Crocky Mike, I think that might have been an extreme reaction there. That was uh, what Professor Jones would say. Yes. That's exactly what he would say. That's the end of our film, boys. The end. All right. They really needed. They really needed a closing song. <laughs> a slugs song. Right now, hey, there's no tomorrow. Well, something more more appropriate for you know, we fight for slugs or something. Come on. We fight for slugs. We fight for slugs. No slime. No way. Uh, it, I'm on board with that, actually. Yeah, that would have been <laughs> nice. Um, but an American wasn't making this movie, Yaks. Oh. Hey, if I get elected, every slug movie made will be made by an American. That's my platform. And that also the completion of That's as good as what I've heard. It's, everybody else is acting crazy. Why shouldn't I? <laughs> um, look, like I said, no how March to Halloween is complete without a creature feature. I thought this was fuck shark movies, fuck alligator movies, fuck slugs, slugs. And, and this thing had a lot going for it. It was a fun movie. Uh, yeah, yeah. It had drunk wife. And drunk wife. We can all agree we like drunk wife. Um, okay. I had drunk wife. I had a twenty-year-old tut doppelganger with a porn stash. I had a. You got, uh, you got, you got a freeze frame to catch him though. He he comes and goes very quick. Uh, the the whatever the high school guy who reminded me of my twenties. I mean. There's a lot to not like about this movie, but there's enough to like about it that makes it charming. I thought it was charming, and I actually thought that it captured the 1988... Um, it's weird that it took a Spanish director maybe shooting the high school scenes in Spain. But, dude, I love when they showed the kids like the, the, the brown paper book covers on their textbooks, like, and the way they were dressed... Uh, I thought the I thought the the look of the kids really, like I said, there was a lot really? of things that made me made me question whether this is a foreign. Uh, yeah, thing no, the because way because the look was very American. The way the kids, especially the teenagers and their 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 school stuff and everything, it just man, it reeked of eight late eighties. I mean, I, yeah. I really, I really, man, I was on board one hundred percent, and uh, and I and I like. Well, I mean, has anybody else ever made a movie about killer slugs? Uh, no. I guess, no. 
You get points for me when you do shit nobody else has ever done. <laughs> Which, by the way, is the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Nobody else has ever done a podcast where we talk about cigars, movies, and beers. Originators, boys. Originators. And we can appreciate fellow originators like J.P. Simon and his movie Slugs. And Pete Johnson and his wonderful cigar night, the Tatuaje Black. We really dug it. That's uh, good. We did. I'm a big fan of Coop Aleworks. That, God damn, that DNR has a gazillion flavors going on. But spacing it out with the cigar, we got through it. I think I got the full cigar's potential despite the beer. Now that I switched the IPA, um, their F5 is one of my favorite IPAs. Big thumbs up to Coop Aleworks. Uh, they're one of the few good things that come out of Oklahoma since Chuck Norris. Uh, Cody... Murphy's, you've said everything you need to say. It's wonderful. It's delicious. It's creamy. It's perfect, one might say. Close to it. And Tut, your beer? Man, after the third time around, I'm just going to go ahead and say it. There's better Oktoberfest beers we'll, out there. We'll see how it plays out next year. <laughs> we totally will. Do you think we can... Do you think next year at Oktoberfest we'll be sitting at the table all together again? Do you think a vaccine's going to happen? Do you think we're going to be uh, able to congregate? Do you think? I do. You think, I yeah. do. Yeah. Give it a give it a year. I think I think that it'll change. I think that there's something's on the horizon. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Something to look forward to. Um, I do too. Uh, I'm sure shit not taking the vaccine in the next couple months, but I, I will definitely take one before next Oktoberfest. If much like professor John, the scientists tell me it's, it's okay to do listen to scientists, boys, listen to scientists. Um, thank you for joining us. I don't know if there'll be another Halloween episode. We might do one next week. We might try to squeak one in there. We'll see how, we'll see how it plays out. There's a lot of, uh, moving parts to this thing called the Tuesday Night Cigar Club. But uh, if not, I think we ended on a good one. Uh, slugs. Slugs. You guys are a couple slugs. Uh, I will be tomorrow morning. I will definitely be sluggish tomorrow morning. Uh, but uh, give us some links. All right. So if you want to join us on Twitter, you can hit us up at TNCCCast. If you want to follow us on Instagram, you can see all of our wonderful pictures and stories and see all the lively, fun merrymaking that's going on there. It's TNCC underscore podcast. You can naturally join us up and follow us on Facebook, Tuesday Night Cigar Club. Or if you're very, very wise, you can subscribe to us at YouTube, Tuesday Night Cigar Club, and you can see all of this wonderful mayhem. Uh, and then, you know what, if you're going to buy some of those delicious P. Johnson Tatawai black cigars, you can go to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com, click on the Amazon banner. I mean, excuse me, click on the famous smoke shop banner. It will automatically introduce or input that wonderful uh, code TNCC20 for you. You'll get $20 off that purchase, which is fantastic. Or if you want to buy any other cigars, you know, do it from there and you'll get $20 off of a purchase of $100 or more. And if you wanted to buy something, it's Prime Day right now. By the time you see this, it won't be Prime Day. But if you want to buy something off of Amazon, go to TuesdayNightCigarClub.com, click on the Amazon banner, do your shopping from there, and help us keep the lights on. Help us, please. 
Because as time has told over the last five years, we sure as shit can't help ourselves. Uh, we we tend to say crazy things and we tend to uh, run our mouths a lot. And more often than not, we, we skate through it. But eventually, one of these days, it's going to get us into some trouble. Um, and I welcome that trouble. Well, I would like to say that we are we would be more productive and more industrious, but unfortunately we have a bit of money, so we all have home bars and there's, you know, pretty nicely stocked. We're not going anywhere. We're not doing anything. We're sitting at the home bar. I think I think that's the case. It's like, boy, these guys could really like elevate this thing to some they could really do something amazing here if they got kind of desperate and out of money to where they had to sober up and like No, as long as, long as we're comfortable <laughs> with as long as we're comfortable with a fridge full of beer and some whiskey, like we're not, we're not gonna really. Yeah, break. but then our hipster, our hipster watchers would be like, oh yeah, they were so much better when they when they weren't sober. Once they sobered up, the whole project. Oh, uh, once shit. once TNCC sobered up, that's where the whole shit house went up in flames. Uh, that's when uh, TNCC Hagar took over. What? <laughs> uh, It's not tomorrow. Um, nothing wrong with uh, Van Hagar, by the way. Uh, well, I'm glad. By the we... way, uh, Sammy, I have come around. I'm fully on team Sammy Hagar. I like, I like him, bud. One of my um, inspirations for the podcast, and one of my, um, I'll say inspirations, uh, Howard Stern. He's had Sammy Hagar on the show many times, and Sammy is always a good interview and always seems like a really fucking laid-back, centered dude. Uh, and even when considering how things played out with Van Halen, he was always kind of even keel about it and, and played it well and didn't shit on what they did and what maybe they could do in the future. So I, I, I give... Sammy and he brought Michael Anthony, the bass player, on there a lot of times. And Michael Chicken Anthony, foot. dude, Michael Anthony, I, I I've always equated uh, Yak Boy to the Michael Anthony of the TNCC. He is the heart and soul. He's the guy coming in with the perfect chorus. He's the guy coming in with that filler bass line when you don't know you need it, but God, it would be if you didn't have it everything would fall apart. All I know is every time I see Cody strapped with that Jack Daniels bass flying across the screen on that, on the, on the suspension cords, it's beautiful. beautiful. Um, so uh, I, I, I think we've expressed uh, the best we can given how much we drink, how much Van Halen uh, influenced our lives in one way or another. Um, and I think we also have represented the march to Halloween well tonight. So good job, boys. Um, in the meantime, it is early voting. Get your ass out there. If you don't want to fight the lines in November, there's no excuse. You can get your ass out there at some point in the next couple of weeks to vote. And uh, we strongly encourage you to do so. Why you would listen to us is beyond my comprehension because we're we're basically drunk wife on steroids. Uh, I, I really don't encourage you to follow any of our advice, but 
But follow this advice. Follow this advice. Show up. Before you open your noontime bottle of wine, stumble over to the local uh, church and, and, and place your vote. Have a moment of sobriety. You don't want to get tanked up and then go hit the wrong button on your little touch. Oh, that, that would be wrong. That, so, you know, uh, just have, just just that. suffer it out a little bit, dry up a little bit, you know. Drop your kids it. off at school, drink some wine, then take a nap, and then go vote, and then drink some more wine. TNCC style. I'm a professional, folks. I know what I'm talking about. Um, thank you, everyone, for joining us. In the meantime, uh, as is more important than ever, listen to my words that I'm about to say out of my mouth hole. May the wings of liberty never lose a feather. Sayonara, motherfuckers. We will see you either in two weeks or soon after. we got some great shows before the end of the year. We're not done yet. Uh, God damn, Todd is jigging his... Look at him dancing his fucking head. It's like he's in the middle of a field with some teenagers and a pumpkin and a pipeline. I don't know what that was about, but we'll get to that after the show ends. Sign our motherfuckers. We'll see you next time. Be good. about the time my unusually aggressive trouser slug broke free of its containment cell, an extremely well-worn pair of Bugle Boy slacks, that is, well, let's just say that I was eventually able to wrestle him back under control, but sadly I'll never be allowed back to a Bob Evans restaurant ever again. And honestly, that sucks, because both me and my trouser slug love us some biscuits and gravy. What? Yes, what the fuck do you feed your trouser slugs? Slug food? What a bunch of amateurs. Treat him right, and he'll treat you right, fellas. Anywho, to learn more about the cigars enjoyed on tonight's episode, you can visit www.tatuajecigars.com. Tatuaje is spelled exactly the way you would think it would be. For more on O'Brien's Irish Pub, the live music leader in Central Texas, please visit O'Brien'sTemple.com and download their free smartphone app, where you'll find full beer listings including over 40 on tap, menu information, and a calendar of upcoming live events. To listen and purchase music heard on tonight's program, check out www.fritzbeermusic.com. Thank you for listening to the Tuesday Night Cigar Club Podcast. This is Keith A. Howell saying until next time, friends, unless we see you sooner at the pub. So keep it smoky, and for God's sake, keep it ballsy as well.